This is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the live Sunday night edition. I don't know how many other radio shows there are that put on a Sunday night show for you all, but we're doing it even on this holiday weekend. Uh, This is Stephanie with you. And Mark. And Free Talk Live is a show, of course, where we love to have your participation. You can call us at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Also go to our website, freetalklive.com, where you can find all kinds of cool features. But the one I want to draw your attention to right now is the uh, submit uh, news story feature, right? Uh, So you can actually participate in the show by suggesting uh, stories. People will vote them up or vote them down. And we definitely look at those when we go to do our show prep, right, Mark? Absolutely. I mean, there's, they're a great way for us to find, you know, news stories that uh, our listeners think are important. And, you know, why would we want to read stories that are listen- not wrong? Unless our listeners, listeners thought-, thought they're important, right? Yeah, exactly. That's important to us. So I think we're going to start off tonight with something uh, a little bit timely. It is Labor Day weekend, of course, here. Uh, and there's been... So what's timely for Labor Day? Talking about uh, GM and the government bailouts? I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, no, that wasn't quite what I had in mind. Um, you know, on Labor Day weekend, a lot of people like to celebrate. You know, it's a long weekend, and you might expect that there could be some alcohol involved, right? Meat and beer, yes. Meat and beer. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Uh, but uh, especially the meat part. <laughs> yeah, you're not much of a beer drinker, are you? No, no. Yeah. Wine? No, no, no. Spritzers? Really. No, I don't really nothing. like any alcohol. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but... Anyway, I do like my meat. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. You're on that uh, paleo diet. Yes. But apparently there is a checkpoint in Tennessee that is so-called no refusal. So if you go through this checkpoint... Checkpoints ref- uh, can you refuse checkpoints? I, I'm not aware of that. I guess this. if I, you find out about it... checkpoints and it didn't feel like I could refuse it. No, I yeah, I think they're pro- it's probably not going to go very well for you if you refuse it. Um I've never actually been caught in one. I got stuck in an immigration checkpoint once to see if I was a terrorist going to Canada or something or coming going from to Canada. Canada? Well, yeah, I was uh, maybe coming from Canada. I don't really know. Very but strange. I've never been in one of these alcohol checkpoints. I have heard a lot of stories about them. They seem to be getting more frequent. I don't know if I'm just hearing more about them or if they're really getting more frequent. But um, cops love them. And people, I think, generally tend to support them because they believe that they're keeping uh, people safe. But I think that oftentimes when people hear about uh, these checkpoints, they don't consider the cost to people's civil liberties. You know, that every car going down a certain road could be just stopped for no reason and the police will fish around for a reason to arrest you or detain you. Right. At this point, the, essentially, let me read the Fourth Amendment, the uh, Bill of Rights of the United States Constitution here. It says, The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no war- warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, particularly describing the place to be searched in persons or things to be seized. Now, the United States uh, Supreme Court has had 200 and something years to undermine this, and mostly it's been undermined, those sure. undermining's come in the form of uh, you know drug searches. Let me give you a picture here. A police officer, essentially, if your window is open, can claim to have smelled marijuana in your car and you can search it anything, anything. Yeah. And at that point, you're just it's just over. Like they say, "Mm, I smell marijuana or alcohol and he's going to be able to search. 
So And how how can you argue with somebody saying, Well, I smelled this? You're yeah, just right. supposed I mean, to trust them, uh, right? It, it, absolutely. There was a story out of uh, I think it was the Agitator or Huffington Post recently written by Radley Oh, Belko. The car driving by at thirty miles an hour yeah, and the, the cops officer claimed... smelled, mar- smelled marijuana <sighs> in a car that was driving by at with thirty miles an hour. Closed. Then they had a dog search the car. The dog amazingly did not alert. And then he said he overruled the dog and said he smelled it anyway, and they searched the car. So this goes to show that this is reasonable mm-hmm. by the definitions of the Bill of Rights. So if you believe that you still have a Fourth Amendment left, you're just not paying attention. Yeah, I mean, there is no Fourth Amendment left to the the Bill of Rights. Sorry. And I want to make it clear: I don't think that our rights come from the Constitution. No, it's supposed to enumerate them, though, mm-hmm. and that's one that's clearly enumerated. But sadly, they said that uh, you know it was against unreasonable searches and seizures. And obviously, yeah. they get to decide when when the government gets to decide what reasonable and unreasonable is. They're going to decide anytime we want to search, it's reasonable. Exactly. We must be. We're reasonable people. Why wouldn't we? Wa- why would we want to search unreasonably? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. End of story. Just You've got no trust fourth amendment us. left. Yeah, and Mark, you know that you brought up that point about the drug dogs. I just an interesting, funny statistic. I've heard that those those dogs actually alert like twice as often on uh, searches of black and Hispanic people. So it's either amazing. the dogs are racist. Or they're responding to some cues from their handlers. There's actually some statistics on, um, you know, and I'd have to go and look at them. I think it was out of Illinois where they, you know, tested dogs to see what they, uh, you know, when their handlers believed that they were, that that there were drugs in the thing, the dog was like five times more likely to alert when the handler believed that there were drugs in there. So at that point... You know, who who could possibly believe drug dogs? Now, can yeah. dogs find drugs? Absolutely. Dogs can find marijuana. But it's gotten beyond the point of like, I mean, this is not the scientific method. This is not an actual uh, unbiased test of whether there is drugs. There may be drugs present. This is like voodoo, magical, mystical stuff. Sure. There is no evidence to support this. Uh, and actually, there's evidence that well, there's indicates evidence, that it's not unbiased. There's evidence to support that dogs can find drugs. Well, sure, but not to, that they can do it in an unbiased fashion in the yes. system that we have today where there's a lot of other biases. Right. The, the evidence is, however, to the contrary, is that if a police officer believes that there are drugs in a location, then the, the dog is that much more is five times or something. I've got to go look at the statistics, but yeah. much more likely. Well, that to says alert. it all. Yeah, yeah. That, says, that says it all. So and, and this is often used as a pretext for searches and stuff. But in this case, let me read you what's going on this uh, very weekend in Memphis, Tennessee. Tennessee state troopers, sheriff's deputies and police in Shelby and Tipton counties will use a new weapon provided by state lawmakers. Ugh, I hate the violent metaphors that they always use to write about this stuff. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's good because they're just being honest about what's really going on. But uh, they refer to it as a weapon provided by state lawmakers to combat driving under the influence. This Labor Day weekend, officials announced Friday. A new, quote, no refusal law allows law enforcement officers to obtain search warrants and have blood samples drawn if drivers suspected of being under the influence refuse blood alcohol tests. So they refuse a blood test, they get a blood test. Does that make sense to you? Well, if they refuse a sobriety test, they get a blood test. Is that right? Oh, I see. So, okay, well... I read it wrong then. If they're, so if they refuse a breathalyzer test, then they would get blood drawn. Okay, well, so, that makes more sense. For but. one thing, breathalyzer tests are not 
really that great as far as a determinant of whether or not you are drunk. So if you yeah. were to burp, and as I understand in most states, burping, they have to give you 15 minutes after burping. So if you know how to produce burps, you can stave off a blood test for that much or a, a, a breathalyzer test for that length of time. <laughs> now, wow. in this case, it looks like if you I start burping, they're that. just going to they're just going to go from police to phlebotanist like they can just tear open their je- chest and turn into Superman or whatever, tear open their shirt to the, show the big S on their chest. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it's it's a terrible idea to turn police officers into phlebotanists. I mean, if you phlebotomists, that, but yeah. OK, thank you for the uh, correction there. Um, if they but yeah, they have no makes, training in if this they make or some anything. kind of mistake. What kind of responsibility do they have? If I go to some business oh, and I have. They don't care about your body anyway. MRSA, I can sue. Yeah. But if the government gives you MRSA, good luck suing. They're they're terribly difficult to sue. Yeah. Uh, So they're saying here, this was the only area of Tennessee law where we let the criminals control the evidence. Oh, my goodness, said the district attorney, Mike Dunavant. But they can make anything criminal. And in a world with as many laws as we have in the United States... It's difficult not to be a criminal. There's a book out there. I think it's called Three Felonies a Day, yes. which describes how the average individual can easily f- run awry of the law and felonies, not misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, an, and, and so this person, he never had a beer under the age of 21. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Every one of these cops have smoked marijuana and had beers under the age of uh, just near, nigh a uh, few of these cops have not had marijuana and smoked and, uh, you know, drank beer under the age. Or gone over but the still speed put limit. You in jail. Yeah. I mean, the handcuffs are just as real, even if they're hypocrites. Yeah, of course. And so really framing the discussion here, this is the only area where we let the criminals control the evidence. We'll find out a little bit more about this here on Free Talk Live coming up in a moment. And uh, if you've been caught in one of these checkpoints this weekend, I'd love to hear from you at 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. Stay tuned. There's more coming up. Are you a liberty activist or enthusiast looking to meet others like you? Do you want to advance capitalism, peace, and freedom, but aren't sure how? I'm Amanda Mill, Executive Director of Liberty on the Rocks, encouraging supporters of a free society to host happy hour. Activism and education doesn't need to be boring, and you can find free market friends. So start a Liberty on the Rocks network near you and begin connecting and informing libertarian thinkers over drinks. Visit www.libertyontherocks.org. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. It's Stephanie with you tonight. And Mark. And uh, Free Talk Live is a show where you can call in and bring up whatever's on your mind at 855-450-FREE. That is 855-450-3733. We've been talking about this no-refusal checkpoint here on Labor Day weekend. And uh, Mark, did you have a little message you wanted to bring to our audience? Yeah, you know, there's uh, there people are uh, convening in one state. People who believe in the ideas of freedom are convening in one state. Right. If you're sick of getting stuck in these checkpoints where you are. Well, it's they, not they to say have the them check, here, but it's not to say the checkpoints don't occur here. But the people are actually is, protesting them here. Yeah, there are people standing, you know, somewhere near it with signs that say, "Hey, checkpoint ahead." Go yeah, that way. Oftentimes, they're you know advising you there's a checkpoint ahead, and I've been caught in these checkpoints, and I can tell you, you know, hey, you're taking my time. I'm trying to get home. My time's valuable, and uh, you know, I'm not sure that they're making the roads. Uh, you know, I don't know whether they're making my life safer by stopping me or not. You know, what if the oh, person I would behind say me? That 
What if the person behind me doesn't, you know, doesn't stop and they ram, ram into me? I mean, they, yeah. how many accidents are caused by these things? I'm pretty sure they're not making my life safer. Yeah, statistically, I'd really like to see the information, but they're not held to any scientific standard when it comes to this. No. And even if they were, it's really not their business. Anyhow, uh, if you're interested in finding more liberty in your lifetime, uh, you can move for the Free State Project. You can go to freestateproject.org, sign up there, find out more about it. Move to New Hampshire with, oh, more than 1,000 people who've moved and more than what, more than 12,500 who've signed Actually, up. Actually, I think they broke 13,000. Did they really? Yeah. Well, you can go check it out for yourself at freestateproject.org. Well, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, there was um, a recent event, right? This Ron Paul Festival in Florida, mm-hmm. where they got a bunch of signers recently. So I don't know if they've all inputted them in. But uh, anyway, I mean, a lot of people say this 20,000 number is irrelevant. That was like the original goal of the I Free State agree. Project. Yes, but 20,000 is the amount of people that are supposed to sign up to say that they're going to move to New Hampshire. And then it triggers everybody to move within five years of reaching that. But, but a thousand people have moved. And at this point, uh, just just one statistic of many mm-hmm. that tax have been cut by almost 12% with the amount of free staters and people that are supported by the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance that have gotten into the, the New Hampshire Taxes House. have been cut? I thought it was the state budget that got cut. Oh, maybe it's... Well, aren't those related? In New Hampshire, those Not things necessarily. Are, in, in New Hampshire, those things are related by law. Okay. Well, I mean, I didn't want to wait. I moved here because of basically the community, and I'm really glad to be here. And 13,000 people is nothing to sneeze at, you know, committing to move to New Hampshire. I've got 12,632 here. Oh, gotcha. Maybe they haven't updated it, but it's pretty close. It's not exactly the fastest rolling. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's volunteer operation. But if any of that sounds good to you, you may want to check out the Free State Project. Uh, Do you want to talk more about this checkpoint, Mark? Get a little more detail on it. Well, first of all, you know, this article is just so uh, just... Bootlicking, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. They just don't ask any tough questions, the police. Very sycophantic, deferential toward the police as if they could do no wrong. You know, that there well, could no be no possible problem with this. I think it's crazy, this. the idea that police are taking blood from people on the side of the road. They're, they're actually not. So okay. I, I read so they a have little, a, fl- uh, f- they have a medical technician. Okay. No, it doesn't even say a phlebotomist. It says okay. medical technician. Okay, so, so they have a med tech yeah. on the side of the road. They just take you to the ambulance and draw the blood. This makes a heck of a lot more sense to me than anything else. At the very least, they have a professional there. They're, you know, If they felt like dragging you to the police station in order to get your blood, they would do such a thing. So having them on the side of the road, I suppose that makes a, that much more sense. Yeah, but I think the one of the big issues here is this whole, like, quote, no refusal thing. So if they stop you and they're they're stopping everybody at these checkpoints and well, if they feel like saying that, oh, you, you might be drinking alcohol this Labor Day weekend, it's probably reasonable for them to assume that you might be right. You cannot refuse if you don't if you don't take a uh, they didn't really specify, but a it sounded like a breathalyzer test. Then you'll be whisked to the side of the road to get your blood drawn by somebody that you don't know, that you're not assured that this is a clean environment. And that is scary as heck, you know, to have somebody yeah. stick a needle in you who, when you don't want to have that happen, and they're probably not the most empathetic, calming people, you so know, trying to get your blood out of your veins. If they have probable cause uh, that they can take blood from you, they can take you back to the police station or take you someplace and have blood taken from you. Well, usually they take people to to a hospital. And at that point, like if they're taking, if they're transporting you to a hospital. Frankly, I'd rather be in their ambulance than their hospital. I'd rather go to the hospital because at that time you have however long it takes the hospital to get around to drawing your blood to sober up, right? And maybe it's less. And and they're going to be more accurate. I suppose. Maybe. I don't know that they're going to be more accurate. Why would they? 
Uh, because probably they used um, more uh, rigorous methods to test the amount of alcohol in the blood. I don't know. I, I couldn't say. Well, and they maybe can, it's not a good if thing. They have probable if cause. They can certainly demand your blood from you. But I think that under normal circumstances, if you have, uh, if you refuse the breathalyzer, you'll just be basically treated as though you're drunk. But your your charge will be refusing a breathalyzer as opposed to yeah. being drunk. So I mean, sometimes they suspend your license for that, though. It depends they, on the state. I think they very well can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how is that fair? I mean, it's a very you know, it's it's a bad situation. What I'd rather have, what would seem like it would be a better service to the public, would mm-hmm. be Take these police officers that are on duty, post them around so that people so that they can watch people and see who's driving poorly. I mean, does it really matter to me why somebody's recklessly driving if they're drunk or not? I mean, I'd rather them be pulling over reckless drivers. And if all the cops are at a checkpoint at a certain place, then how many cops are not out there actually looking for safety or people who need help or like their car, you know, they have a problem with their car or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are they missing because they're stopping every single car at, at a checkpoint like this? Sure. They probably got a, a lot of the officers pulled off of the, uh, you know, whatever neighborhood watch duty too. Yeah. Let's go to someone who may know uh, about this firsthand. I guess we'll find out here. David is on the line listening on XM, but he's driving a truck. David, are you with us? Uh, yes. Yes. Hi, do you have a checkpoint story for us? Uh, no, uh, I live in a little town in North Carolina, uh, and every so often they do a uh, a uh, checkpoint in the little town I have to drive to to get home from the company I work for. Okay, and it's always it's always they just sort of want to know if it's always in the middle of the night and it's always on a weekend, and they always want to just say a few words to you to get a gist of uh, your. Uh, your sobriety, just to get a, and uh, generally speaking, I tell them I'm coming from my work trying to get home because a lot of times I get back in the middle of the night. And uh, are I you required to tell them anything? Excuse me, there. I wonder if you're required to tell them anything. If you, what if what would happen if you just said I won't? I, I'm sorry, I won't be answering any questions tonight. Well, well, you know, when I was younger, that kind of an issue would uh, have been a an issue to me, I would have been quick to make a point of that. I don't have to speak. I know my rights. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm 60 years old, and the whole issue of uh, Stonewall and the police, um, I mean, from a policeman's point of view, he's uh, 99 times, out of, 98, 99 times out of 100, they're just they're just trying to, to do their job as well as they can. And every once in a while, they're not. And there are cases like that, and I see them all, a lot, you know. The issue with me more. Uh, so more you just are just, you concerned uh, about just kind of getting on with your life, like getting through it, and well, with as little hassle as possible? Well, no. I tell you, the issue that bugs me is the uh, is are the cars that are stopped on the side of the road while the officers search uh, search them. I, I, I'm not really sure what the constitutional right is of the officers to be able to do that. Yep. I see that every day, and that's more of an issue to me. I see that, I mean, too, and I feel person, really sad for those people who are getting searched. Usually they're not very kind to the car. And I don't think there's any right not to be searched any longer. When an officer, is yeah. all they have to do is say, I smell no, marijuana. No, da- David, thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate your thoughts. 855-450-FREE is the number here on Free Talk Live. More coming up. Stay tuned. 
As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes feed the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. It's Stephanie with you. And Mark. And you're listening to the live Sunday night edition. You can call in and talk to us at 855-450-FREE. If you want to talk about DUI checkpoints, maybe you have a, had an, had, excuse me, had an encounter with the police this weekend that you want to discuss, uh, thought it was unfair. I wouldn't be surprised about that. Uh, let us know. And, you know, the, the difficult conundrum here is, is that, uh, Police are charged with keeping us on the road, keeping us safe on the road, right? But all the ways, but they have to work within the confines, supposedly work within the confines of the Bill of Rights. Different people have tolerant, different tolerances for, uh, you know, the I- I- impositions upon their rights. Some people are like, search my car. I don't care. Go I doubt ahead. they'd be saying that after Pull the first over. time they get their car searched, though, because they realize that they rip apart the car and do like permanent damage to it usually. I they take the. I have never had my car searched. Up. I've certainly heard plenty of stories of people who have had their upholstery ripped up, their door panels ripped off, and you yeah. know, no one's putting it back. Leaving, you know, they just leave you with on the side of the road with your door panels to to be put back on. I mean, you yeah. know, this is the average person can't do that. I think most people would feel pretty violated if that happened to them, uh, and rightly so. Yeah, but uh, you know, different people have different tolerances of, uh, for this, and so. You know, I mean, somebody gets killed on the road and then the cops and then people say, oh, well, the cops weren't keeping us safe. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say make that statement. But, um, you know, maybe they feel like people would be saying such a thing. And so, you know, it's a it's a difficult scenario. Yeah. By the way, Mark, you know what I've noticed recently? So I drive here to Free Talk Live. I have a, you know, a little bit of a drive to get here. Quite a bit of a drive. Yeah, It's not too bad. But um, anyway, I go on sort of a major highway to reach Keene. And on this highway, it says the number of deaths that have occurred on the highway this year in 2012 in Vermont. And then it says like, 79 deaths and it keeps increasing every week when is it I drive up or to, down it, it increases up every week well I mean does it do they show last year's deaths or the average year's no, deaths? they just say that this year so far all these people have died on the roads and it's a flashing billboard on the side of the road that really distracts you especially when you're driving yes. at night and I don't I just don't see the purpose for safety of that it's not keeping you safe when you're distracted by looking yes. at this flashing sign and trying to read it while you're driving. The, the, and it the also death counter. Yeah. And it also kind of scares you, I think. I mean, I think most well, I think people the scare pre- probably is what they're going for. They, they yeah, want to scare do, you a little bit. Do you bit. think most people drive better when they're under stress or when they feel, I don't know, emotionally, uh, it's agitated. A, it's a good question. Um, you know, if there was actually competition in the area of, uh, you know, maintaining roads, then, we might find out that there are better ways and worse ways to get people to drive uh, better. I mean, at this point, the, all the government's doing, the government is standing squarely in the way of uh, of technology that would make roads safer. The fact oh, is, yeah. the Google car is out there. Um, it's being It's been tested, and basically the governments are making it difficult to test this thing. Yep. And once this thing is implemented, 
people won't be driving anymore. Sure. I mean, it's gonna it's it stops driving. I well, mean, if the Google, Google car has been around for a year and a half and it's been in one accident. And that's because somebody hit it. This is a driverless <laughs> car. Wow, this yeah. is a car where nobody's driving it. And imagine how like and they're working within the context of government roads that have never been uh, opened integrated up to, in any way. Yeah, and so look at what they're working with and what they're doing. And imagine how much time could be freed up, how much people's lives could be improved if they didn't have to worry about a commute. Right. If they could the do other things. The government standing in the way. The government is causing these drunk driving deaths because they're standing in the way of new technology in the area of cars. I mean, if you could go out right now, trade in your old car, get a new car that has this uh, Google Pilot thing in it where it drives itself, you could be as hammered as you want behind the wheel and it wouldn't matter as long as you didn't put that thing into manual. And you'd still get home safely. It'd be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, can you imagine if you're driving home a little bit buzzed or drunk and then you see this flashing sign with the death count on the side of the road? I just I have a really hard time believing that that's making anyone safer. And obviously the death it's count keeps going up vision. every time I go by it. So I, I don't mean to la- make light of this, but it's not working. You know, yeah, people is, are still dying on the roads. It's their failure billboard. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, and now they're starting to do it in New Hampshire, too. Because I went on the other major highway that's in this area, that's in New Hampshire, and that one has them too as of this weekend. So there you go. Uh, Policies don't have to work for governments to adopt them. They just kind of borrow bad ideas from each other and try to scare you. So, okay, Mark, let's find out a little bit more detail about what's going on in Tennessee. I'd, I'd... I kind of don't think this is limited to Tennessee. I bet this is going on in other places. And like we said, you know, we even have these DUI checkpoints here in New Hampshire. But the difference is that there are a lot of people here who are actively kind of opposing them and trying to divert people away from the checkpoints. I think there are some pretty good YouTube videos, actually, that have come out of Keene with with people like standing on the side of the road holding an arrow that says, you know, checkpoint ahead, go this way if you want to avoid it or whatever. Um, And I know of at least... Uh, well, at least a couple people in Keene who have a couple of years ago gone through one of these sobriety checkpoints that was near the college in Keene mm-hmm. and refused to show their ID because, you know, why should they why should they be forced to present their papers and then were taken to jail? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting um, when you've been pulled over for no reason. Should you have to present your driver's license? I mean, it mm. it makes some sense that if you've been you know driving recklessly or something like that, that you'd have to present your papers. But just p- upon demand, should you have to present them? And this is well, one of the real. And when you talk about immigration checkpoints, it becomes a little bit of even a different issue because if you are not from the U.S., you're expected to have your visa or your green card or your whatever on you at all times. And so it creates a situation where you actually have to have immigration documents on you available on demand at any time. I mean, what does that sound like to you? I don't have any immigration documents. No, I mean, I just have a driver's you're license. an American citizen, but then but again, then how would it, they know that? Right. How would they know that? Lots of people have driver's licenses that aren't American citizens. I think they just go on, citizens. like, do you have a French accent or do you sure. look white or whatever? And, you know, then they ask for them based on that. But it's completely arbitrary. Lots of people uh, that are citizens have funny accents, too. That's absolutely true. Uh, so in this particular place in Tennessee, in these particular counties. And, you know, of course, this is a nationally syndicated radio show. So we're going to try to make this apply to everyone trying to talk about sort of the issues involved here. But in this particular county, they're trying to the police and the prosecutors and the the state people who work for the state are trying really hard to justify this by scaring people and by claiming that these checkpoints improve 
people's safety. Uh, one of them says the the state highway safety and homeland security condition commissioner. Like the longer the titles get, you know, the mm-hmm. more I guess the the more bureaucratic the position. But th- this person, uh, this commissioner, said uh, that they're targeting five specific counties with uh, a you know enforcement campaign for DUI checkpoints. And then he said we did not have a single traffic fatality in those counties. Uh, I don't know over what time period he means, but maybe this weekend. And so he's claiming that these are keeping people safe, right? Um, it's it's a statistic. It's a statistic, but there are lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? Sure. How many I mean, how people, many people how die many people, every weekend in a county? I don't how know. How many people died, uh, you know, last year in this over that weekend mm-hmm. in that uh, you know county at that time or whatever? Also, if you have one checkpoint on one major road, it's not like you're stopping people who are driving, you know, in most places. Most places, there's lots of major roads, and your checkpoints just in one of them. Mm-hmm. So you can only claim if you're going to claim anything, you're going to only claim the lives of the people that were on that road. Sure. Uh, They say judicial commissioners will be tapped to approve warrants around the clock and medical technicians will be available to draw blood samples in a process that could take a couple of hours while DUI suspects are held. So up, they could waylay you for a couple hours. No big deal. It's just your time. What does it matter? I mean, they're literally if you are at the wrong place at the wrong time and they suspect you for whatever reason you could have uh, your time and your blood taken from you against your consent you know i drive home at a relatively late hour because i do an evening talk show and sometimes i stay a little later at the studio than others there have been times when i'm driving home at midnight and you know i've seen police officers out there and i'm just like you know god i hope i don't have to get talk to this guy for any length of time i just want to go home and go to sleep just want to go home and go to sleep and i mean i'm really motivated to do that and i can only imagine what it would be like to have another two hours on the side of the road just like god please let me go home possibly getting your blood drawn by somebody (laughs) you don't know who they are Uh, i don't know anybody who's generally drawing my blood True. Okay. Well, I still want to hear checkpoint stories. If you've been caught in one this weekend or perhaps in the past, you want to share your story with us. 855-450-FREE is our number here on Free Talk Live. More coming up with your calls. Stay tuned. It's Free Talk Live. Tired of that same old government-free baklava from Mandrick? How about trying Stateless Sweets government-free fudge and caramel? Stateless Sweets are made with real ingredients and prepared fresh for delivery to your home. Order them as a gift, a well-deserved decadent treat for yourself, or catered for your next event. Go to statelesssweets.com. That's statelesssweets.com. Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. It's Stephanie with you tonight. And Mark. 855-450-FREE is our number. That's 855-450-3733. Some people get confused. I think when they hear the word free, they think maybe I'm saying three, but it's actually the word F-R-E, which is 3733 on the phone. So that's right. Just a little clarification. I also would like to let uh, our listeners know about listen.freetalklive.com. That's the easiest way where you can get all the ways that you can get Free Talk Live in your ears. You have access to the live streams, the uh, radio stations, or 
which we have several different affiliates. We are not just a internet show. We are on uh, terrestrial radio stations. Also, you can find the studio webcam and the listen lines there at listen.freetalklive.com. So no matter how you prefer to get your information or get your Free Talk Live, it's all there for you for free at listen.freetalklive.com. Mark, uh, we've got a call on line. Should we go to that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. We love your calls on Free Talk Live. Let's talk to Kelvin in Colorado. Kelvin? Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Mark. Hi. Hi. Hey, uh, Mark. Yes. What does a seal say? What does a seal say? I love it every time you do that. It's so cool. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. Such anyway, a talented co-host. I can't believe it's the first time I... I couldn't believe it the first time you did that, that or that I heard you do that. <laughs> uh, it's, I am anyway. a talk show host. It's my job to create pictures with my mind, with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, good so thing you're a super genius. <laughs> so what's on your mind, Kelvin? Uh, I was uh, just thinking about, you guys were talking about the uh, sobriety checkpoints where it's, you know, so in, invasive where, you know, everybody has to come, stop, roll their window down, answer questions, mm-hmm. you know, and be subject to scrutiny. Uh when really the issue is, in my mind, is are you competent to drive your vehicle? Uh, so it would be uh, kind of neat, I think, if they could find a way that instead of having this system where every car has to come stop, talk to the cop, convince them that you're uh, sober and you know haven't been smoking dope or whatever, right. uh, and then go. Uh, if they could set up some kind of a like a construction zone that's like an obstacle course thing. And then they would just have observers, and depending on how you went through the obstacle course, if they thought you weren't negotiating it very well, then you you can go off to the side and talk to the officer. And uh, could that create a, an extra danger, though? Is that like an artificial danger, maybe for somebody? Uh, that's possible. We'd want to put up those concrete uh, barriers and stuff so no one gets run over. But uh, if they're if they're out driving their car at speed, that's you know that's a lot more dangerous than I. I, I was meaning like parking lot speeds, not. Uh, I see. Well, you know what, Kelvin, you, I would love to have the opportunity for you to be able to be somebody who could own a road and who could implement whatever policies you thought were good on that road. Uh, unfortunately, the government sort of has a monopoly on that, though. Yeah, that's too bad. Not you know, if I had a a uh, my own road, I would. Uh, you know, I charge extra if you wanted to drive really really fast on it and you'd have to like stay in the far left lane that may or may not uh, be safe and it's difficult to right. know but we don't have any competition in that it, area. it may or may not be effective either because if people know that you can just hey pay a couple bucks to kelvin and you can drive super fast at audubon speeds maybe people who drive more slowly wouldn't want to go on that road and he'd lose some customers there could very yeah. well. I think the best distribution as far as handling uh, drunk drivers on the road is to have police officers, instead of congr- a bunch of them congregated in one place, is have them spread out throughout the, the town or the municipality or the county or whatever and looking for people that are driving um, erratically or poorly or recklessly. And, you know, they've got all these cameras on the side of the interstate. It's not like they can't have one uh, cop sitting at a, uh, you know, in front of a bank of, of cameras looking for whoever's driving poorly and then reporting off to the officer who's, you know, half an hour uh, down, or, you know, half, half mile down the road or Sometimes whatever. Sometimes they do that. Like they'll partner with each other that where there'll be one cop car sitting and, you know, Those radar gunning. Speeders. Right. But then there'll be another one down the road and right. sometimes they talk to each other. Sure. As I understand it. I've never been a cop and I don't ever plan on it. But anyway, uh, 
Calvin, anything, anything else on your mind? Uh, I, I like Mark's idea uh, that, you know, cops driving around on patrol actually doing something useful, hopefully looking for, you know, I don't know, people rioting or whatever they look for, uh, would be much more effective than this, this thing, uh, having all the cops in one spot. But it doesn't... But- what, what they really want to do here, though, is they want to find the people is that, yeah, they're yeah. looking for well the, the PR and the money. They're looking for people who are at point zero eight percent, you know, blood alcohol percent who may or may not be driving poorly as a result. I, I mean, they're getting the low hanging their fruit cars with, and whatever with one of those. They're looking for the low hanging fruit, the people yep. who are just going to get railroaded through the system. And, you know, they they're coming to the cops. The cops don't even have to chase them down. So, I mean, it's a pretty like I I don't want to say ingenious, but it's a pretty good operation for them. But the fact is that they wouldn't be able to get away with something like this if they were really oriented towards serving their customers, right? This is like an enforcement thing, and it's meant to benefit the state and to give them great PR in the process. If they're looking for reckless drivers, this isn't the way to do it. Yeah. Kelvin, thanks for the call tonight. Uh, nice to hear from Kelvin. And you can call us at 855-450-3733 if you'd like to comment. Mark, tell me about this um, drone tracking app that's been rejected by Apple. I think this is a really interesting story. From Wired Magazine, it's really strange. And it seemed like a simple idea enough uh, for the iPhone app. Send users a pop-up notice whenever a flying robot kills someone in one of America's many undeclared wars. But Apple keeps blocking the Drones Plus program from its Apple store and therefore from iPhones everywhere. The Cupertino company says the content is objectionable and crude, according to Apple's latest rejection letter. Okay, so it's let me get this straight. It's objectionable and crude to give people information about when the U.S. kills people with unmanned, you know, robotic drones in other countries. But it's not objectionable for the government to do this. To kill people with, fl- it's uh, with just objectionable for people to te- for, to know about it. I mean, that's that's some real. Uh, fog it's not like going it's showing pictures of the dead logic. people. You know, I mean, it's just a little pop up. You know, on a map. Mm-hmm. This is the third time in a month that Apple has turned down Drone Plus's uh, uh, app. Here says Josh Bigley, the programmer's New York-based developer. The company's reasons for keeping the program out of the App Store keep shifting. First, Apple called the bare-bones application that aggregates the news of U.S. drone strikes in Pakistan, Yemen, Somalia. Not useful. Then Not there was useful? an issue. That's incredibly useful uh, to somebody like me who's concerned about those kind of issues. I mean, I think that would be uh, maybe sad and depressing. Well, but it's certainly that, not unuseful. Well, I, I think it's not useful, but then again, neither is news. Uh, most news isn't useful to anybody, but it's still news. This is a news reporting app, and it's well, as useful were, as news is. What if you were report like some kind of a journalist, and you wanted to say there were three drone strikes in Pakistan today? It would be useful and this for many you. People got killed. Yeah, I sure. Think that's... But I'm, I'm just saying that you know when it comes to news, whether it's local or international, it is rarely of use to people. Well, and gosh, when does an app have to be? deemed right. useful this is the to, other part, to exist is, uh, right you know, how ridiculous most of these apps how is are. like words with friends or like monk flying monkeys or you know angry birds useful my i have one on my phone that uh, will pretend to scan your thumbprint 
and my son loves to use it. It scans your thumbprint and then shows you which Marvel uh, superhero you are from the Avengers movie. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I mean, he plays it over and over again and apparently doesn't understand, I don't know, um, that uh, this is not scanning your thumbprint <laughs> and coming up with your, your Zodiac si- superhero sign because it changes all the time. But I don't know. I mean, I just, for me, it's like, oh, really? we got to play this again? Okay. Yeah. And, but it keeps him, it keeps him occupied. And, yeah. um, you know, anyway, it's, it's a, 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 a not useful app. Yeah. And you know, okay, I could, why don't they just, why doesn't Apple just like become part of the government? Cause they're doing a function that the government just loves. And anyway, they're doing a big favor to the state by, you know, kind of suppressing this program that lets people know about what they're up to. I don't know. You know I, I can't. Apple won't comment as to why they are doing what they do. Yeah, because they don't have clear um, reasons that conform to, like, logic and critical thinking, right? They're just, they're, like, obfuscating why they're blocking this, which is that somebody doesn't like it and they feel, you know, they are experiencing emotions when they hear about this app and they don't want people to have it. This is one of the reasons I don't like Apple products is because they tend to be sort of monolithic in the way they do things. Yeah. I don't think I don't know Terrible how with the IP stuff, too. I, I don't know how and, Android works, but it seems like they'd be a lot uh, more open in that uh, market because yeah. you can get all kinds of apps that aren't in the Android store mm-hmm. for the Android. Um, you know, these the apps that are cracked and all that i don't even know how to use these this terminology you don't but have I, to crack anything to get apps on your android i mean you just get but there but you can get apps that are not through the android store for your android uh and, yes but you, i don't believe you can do that very easily with iphone i think they make it much more difficult no. right. and so this is one of the reasons that i don't particularly like apple products is because of the way they t- kind of go about doing things sure and i know the apple acolytes out there are big big fans of, of apple for whatever reasons they're big fans of them and that's that's fine but to me this is really distasteful that they would do this i mean this is just a news program and they don't want to i guess they don't i, I don't know why they don't want to do it they won't say but it's how long me, until this app leaks out on the internet that's what i want to know if you have uh if you're a programmer if you've written an app like this if you have an app like this love to hear from you 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. Do you like action and adventure? Do you like suspense? Do you like being scared? Are you tired of the same old crap from your fantasy and horror authors? Then try something original. Give Matthew Bellotti's books a read. As a special promotion to introduce you to his work, all his eBooks will be free to download at mwb.freetalklive.com September 5th and 6th. All five of his books, free, no strings attached. It's Matthew Wayne Bellotti, the best fantasy horror author you've never heard of. mwb.freetalklive.com This is Free Talk Live. You're listening to the live Sunday night edition with Stephanie and Mark. Freetalklive.com is our website, and there are lots of cool features there. If you go to news.freetalklive.com, you can find out how to keep up with the show by getting updates via email, or some people like a little bit more uh, different forms of following Free Talk Live, like on Twitter and Facebook. You can do all that over at news.freetalklive.com, and some interesting things come across the Free Talk Live Twitter and Facebook uh, feeds, so you'll want to make sure that you oh, yes, they stay do. up to date with those. <laughs> News.freetalklive.com. All right, Mark, we were going to start talking about uh, this school teacher who has been helping their students cheat. I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but 
the school teacher has been helping the students cheat. That's right. And it's not for the reasons you might think, like getting a raise or not losing their job. Well, it's because this teacher believes that the students are dumb. Dumb as hell is the quote. Um, Atlanta.cbslocal.com, a former fifth grade teacher implicated in a cheating scandal, reportedly gave students the illegal assistance because she thought that they were dumb as hell, in quotation marks. According to the Atlantic Journal-Constitution, math teacher Shyla Smith was accused of offering students the answers to a test they were taking at the time. She had reportedly been responsible for supervising them while the tests were being completed. Uh, this isn't the first time I've heard of a teacher who was entrusted with making sure the students didn't cheat on some kind of standardized test, and the teacher actually like did the cheating themselves. Well, this is, uh, it, you know, it's not a surprise at all, because it's uh, basically what you're doing is it's like you're telling a police officer, you know, if, uh, if, you, if you have the fewest amount of tickets, then we'll give you the most money. Right. In your paycheck. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, that just gives them an incentive to get that at any the tickets. cost. Uh, yeah. you know, what, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they're, they're basically you're telling the teachers the better your students do, the better you will be compensated because a lot's what a lot of people are talking about in these performance things. But you're in charge of the, making sure that they don't cheat. Isn't that No Child Left Behind? Yes. Like, didn't didn't that become more popular after No Child Left Behind was right. introduced? Because what it does, as I understand it, is it sets up. Um, some kind of federal incentives for like the best performing schools Correct. to get more money from the Department of Education. And so basically, I've heard statistics that say like, you know, they try to measure the kid, they try to get metrics of the kids performance, right? And often those are in the form of standardized tests. But those standardized tests correlate, the scores correlate more with the socioeconomic uh, status of most of the kids in the in that that's correct segment what, the, the neighborhoods these schools are in right and so what happens is the rich neighborhoods perform well and they get more money and the poor neighborhoods perform poorly and they, and they get, get less they get cut off and so so if you believe that money is what makes schools better then this is the worst way to uh, decide that yeah but I mean this is one of those things that I can see why it's attractive to Republicans and fiscal conservatives because it's you know, it, it, it's got competition. It, it has some of these hallmarks of, uh, you know, holding people accountable and these kind of things. But these are government schools and they're government tests being administered by government workers. And this is not going to be a hallmark of a, you know, an account of accountability, mm-hmm. uh, of making things efficient. No, I mean, since when is, is the government those... accountable to their so-called the people they serve, right? This is what we call in the advertising business, putting lipstick on a pig. Um, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not gonna, you're not going to be able to make the the government efficient by putting in these sort of standardized things. I, well, and it, it creates it a lot of work. it creates a lot of pressure. You know, like okay, in the field of science, which is one that I'm very familiar with, there are certain you know niches, I guess, in science where there are like these really high pressure um, fields, and people have a lot of pressure to publish, you know, their scientific results sure. and to get very impressive results. And so the higher pressure that an area of science is, the more likely that there's scientific fraud. Cheating. Where people just make up data to look impressive because the standards that they're being held to are so difficult to meet and the pressure on them is so high that they actually have a, a pretty strong incentive to just cheat. And I see some similarities with this for these these teachers. You know, there's a lot of similarities. Sure. A poor school district, right? They know that their 
their job may be on the line or their funding may get cut even further if their children don't uh, perform well. And, you know, it's it's largely beyond the teacher's control. I mean, I know they can try to, like, you know, teach the kids, but like a lot of it is is sort of uh, one teacher is not really going to be able to uh be completely responsible for the outcome of a test, right? Like if the kid has a rough home situation, there's nothing really the teacher can do about it. If if the kid hates school and is bored, well, maybe there's something that the teacher can do about it, but it's not likely that the teacher will well, the, uh, try to make it more interesting or the anything. The whole way school set up to a test is messed up. Yes. If you wanted to make sure, because if I I, I recommend getting rid of public school entirely, because. The reason is 20% of graduates of public school are functionally illiterate, and in some neighborhoods, that's as high as 40%. And frankly, um, that's just the graduates, not the people that drop out beforehand. So yeah. in many of those neighborhoods, you're really talking about numbers that are approaching With a 80%. System that's claiming to be providing opportunities for everyone. And clearly there are people who are coming out of the system with very few opportunities, you know, and not even really having had an education. One thing it is good at, though, I think, is teaching people to conform and to obey uh, to authority figures. Well, they're, they're big places uh, that, you know, they're basically meant to mimic factory work. And uh, that's the Prussian uh, school model. And you can go look it up if you if you don't believe what I'm saying. But if schools are intended, if, if the in, if public school is intended to make sure that poor people get an education, we can see they're not doing it. Because in some communities, the numbers are approaching 80 percent of students, you know, are are not getting an education out of these schools. Eight zero percent. It's ridiculous. So if you want to provide this, go ahead and provide a need based uh, scholarship. I don't recommend this because I don't think government. Uh, I think government always has unintended consequences and always messes up. They have the reverse Midas touch. Everything they turn touch turns to crap. Touch turns to crap. <laughs> but uh, you know. But if you that's if this is what the, one, huh? the the claim was is because I go by my public school that's in my town and I see a lot of brand new cars when they're picking up kids. I see a lot of people driving a lot of nice cars. I know the houses these kids live in. They're living in bigger houses than my kid. So my did, kid doesn't go to their school. Yeah. So they're robbing me to send their kids to school. Yeah. And this is not just inefficient. It's immoral. It's wrong to take educational opportunities from my kid and give it to your kid just because you're willing to send your kid to the inefficient government school system. It's wrong. And that's the end of that story. But what about people who can't have kids or don't want or don't have kids? Why should they pay for other people's kids' education? For whatever reason, I don't think people why are should as they motivated be for forced that. To. I, Maybe they want to, but like, why should they be forced to? But That's I do think point. that it's a real, it's a real kick in the the groin for people who are trying to have kids. Yeah. And uh, can you imagine trying to have kids, but you have to pay to send other people's kids to school? It's a oh, little yeah. reminder every uh, year by year from the government. Ha ha! You can't have kids. Well, I don't think most people really spend a lot of time thinking about their property taxes or where they go or anything, but if they did, they would... A good percentage would. of them go to public school. Yes, they do. Most and, of it. You know, I mean, it's just this It's just this really inefficient setup. And if, if you made it a need-based thing rather than a, you know, just anybody can send their kid there, then you might have a better system. I don't really recommend it. Well, and back to return, return to a point that we brought up a little bit earlier, maybe you don't care about the money thing. Maybe it doesn't bother you that there's being money taken from people who may not want to pay it to send everybody's kids to school. Well, what about the the schools themselves and what they do to young minds? I mean, they 
there are a lot of cases where kids in schools are diagnosed with ADD or ODD or whatever by the school psychologist. They're they're given drugs. You know that this is becoming increasingly more common. There oh, yes. are there are police officers in schools. Some schools have you know searches with metal detectors and stuff like that. I mean. What does that do to a kid's psyche? And not to mention that you can't make decisions about anything for yourself in school. Do you, you really want to send your kid daily to a place where they have to go through a metal detector? Sure. Yeah. Nuts. I don't think most people would. But, but maybe they, do. they don't even know about it. They don't know about metal detectors in schools? No, it's just been normalized. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the one of the, you know, many myriad of or problems. Or maybe they don't care because they're glad to have somebody, you know, to to have someone they're else being, be responsible for their kid during the day. They're being robbed already for these uh the, the taxes to pay for these things. So they're like, well, you know, my school's pretty good or they can't afford it. It's the other. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I don't know about you, Mark, but I rent or property taxes they have to pay. Right. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I actually encountered a lot of abuse from other kids at in government school. You know, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't one of those kids that uh, encountered a whole bunch of abuse. You were a cool kid. I was I was a nerd. If you're a nerd, give us a call. 855-450-FREE. It's Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Tim Cummins here to remind you that whenever you look in the mirror, you see a person of amazing ability, a person that people love and cherish and want to be around, a person that gets things done and is an an excellent individual in every way. And when you think about that, you remember that verbal surgery changes you from the inside out. So check out my podcast at verbalsurgery.com. Yeah, baby. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Free Talk Live, the live Sunday edition with Stephanie and Mark. And our number is 855-450-FREE. I was uh, soliciting some nerd bullying stories uh, before in the last segment. Uh, Always welcome to call in about that or really anything that you'd like to bring up. Uh, We'll talk about it and we'll make it entertaining. And uh, also want to direct your attention to archives.freetalklive.com where... Very unusually in this business, you can get all kinds of MP3 archives of Free Talk Live going back to late 2006, and they're all there for free just for you. So probably more content than anyone could reasonably uh, consume, at least within a short time span, uh, and it's all there for you for free. There you go. Uh, I want to tell you about Bitcoins real quick. Bitcoins are an internet currency that uh, you can buy, sell, and trade with on the internet and in real life, too. They are a essentially a, uh, they're a math problem on the internet, and they're peer-to-peer, open source, and no one can mess with your account when it comes to uh, Bitcoins. You become your own bank with Bitcoins. You, if you, you can keep them safely. There are means that you can go through to keep your Bitcoins safely. You're not just going to get them on your computer and keep them safely, uh, but you know you can go through steps to make it happen. And you can find out more by going to weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org. As a matter of fact, year to date, Bitcoins are up in value to 115% of what they were last year at this uh, this time. Also, Bitcoins... Uh, you know, they're, I was I had some thought on them here that I was going to share, and I've uh, just lost it. Anyway, they're up eight uh, percent in August, and you know, a lot of people are using them as commodities at this point, and mm-hmm. you can cash in, cash out, and uh, I've done both of those things. I'd 
I've been holding on to some of mine, honestly, because I think they're going to change the world and I'd like to have, you know, more. (laughs) So if uh, since there's only 21 million bitcoins, if you have 210 bitcoins, you've got point zero zero one percent of the uh, blockchain. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, if you're interested in bitcoins, go to we use coins dot org. (laughs) It's we use coins dot org. Watch the video. Uh, You can download your Bitcoin software there. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, it's a very easy um, explains it very um, easily for so anyone could learn about them. So let's go to the phones, Mark, and talk with Barry. Barry, are you with us? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Uh, I've been trying to get back with you for a couple of days about a a story uh, topic you had on. uh, uh, I think it was Friday uh, about a guy who had stolen a couple of candy bars and 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 you thought he was had been given a pretty excessive uh sentence for Well th- Barry just to interrupt you for a moment this this should be interesting because neither Mark nor I is a host of Free Talk Live on Friday nights. Right. We only come in I, together on Sunday nights. So you're going to have to maybe fill us in on the conversation if that's okay with you. Okay. Um well first of all let me say I'm not uh, obviously I haven't been uh, listening to your show uh, very often or for long, but uh, I caught it uh, a couple okay. of days ago, and I, I really like it. And uh, Thank you, you. Know, I'm a, it's uh, quite different, and uh, I appreciate that. And uh, thanks a lot. You know, I'm a, just. Um, well, let me say first of all, I mean, I'm a pretty hardcore libertarian. I don't think that we should be uh, have laws to regulate uh, uh, drugs or uh, prostitution or or guns, uh-huh. uh, uh, but. Um, you know, uh, so this might go against that a little bit. Uh, the Friday, uh, the people uh, who were hosting the show, um, there was a uh, basically the this, the thing was that um, there was a guy who had um, he had only stolen a couple of candy bars uh, from a store, and um, I think he was given like a hundred and eighty day sentence or something. Okay. Seems really and, harsh. Um, the people, yeah. The people on the show that uh, night, uh, you know, thought that that was really, really uh, excessive, and all that crimes like that warrant are uh, restitution. Well, I think that um, uh, th- their terminology of what restitution means, um, and I, I don't often feel like Ian does a very good job of what saying that um, saying what that means is probably restitution beyond the cost of candy bars to some percentage well above that. So, yeah, you know, I was talking with a one of my friends and all the costs associated with catching them. I was just talking with a friend this weekend about restitution, and he had a definition of it that I really liked, which was that um, a restitution for some act is the compensation that would have made you voluntarily choose to engage in that act that was done to you. So for instance, if somebody steals two of your candy bars, what amount of money or what, what could they do for you that would have chosen uh, that would have made you choose to voluntarily give them those candy bars? So like some, some of money that you could have gotten and said, I'm glad that guy stole my candy bars. Sure. Okay. Or, or I would have given them to him voluntarily for this price or whatever. So, okay. Well, um, you know, here's my uh, where I disagree. Uh, it's um, if you if you had uh, stolen, um, it's not it's not the amount of money that the thing you steal is worth. It's the, it's it's the act of of uh, that you're taking something that doesn't belong to you. I mean, that's the crime. It's not again uh, drugs, 
uh, you know, laws of, on drugs are are, are, are ridiculous. Uh, there's should, laws on uh, guns, prostitution. You're not you're not taking something. You know, you're not re- to me. You're not really committing a crime. So you're concerned uh, you know, about the victim in this situation. Yeah. And- well, I don't know. Are you concerned about the victim in this situation? Are you concerned in some sort of a higher central planning way that you're going to teach the world not to steal? Well, what I'm concerned about. It's simply, you know, if for instance, too, if you have the money to, if you have a lot of money, I mean, by that token, you know, if you have a lot of money, you can just go out here and 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 uh, have a life of entertainment for yourself, uh, stealing from people as long as you have the money to pay them back. But then it's not as fun. Now, remember, if the people, there are people that steal for fun, and I will agree with you that that's what they do, but. It's okay. only fun to steal for those people because there are consequences from the state for getting caught. If the consequences of stealing are paying back five times whatever it is you stole, then the co- then then there's the thrill isn't there anymore. Now, my well, question and to usually you be- people oh. who have a lot of money got it by interacting voluntarily with other people or, you know, making a product that people wanted and selling it or whatever. They're usually like they have enough social skills to not be a kleptomaniac who gets off on stealing frequently, I think, right? What do you think, Mark? I, I, like rich people, do you think they're likely to want to steal? I mean, some, there's plenty of Hollywood people that have been caught stealing. I guess I my guess question to the, uh, what's the caller's name? Uh, it's Barry. Barry, my question to you is this. How much of my money should be spent building jails in order to house the people that steal stuff that you don't want stolen? The money is already spent in the um, in the jails already being there. But, being well, actually, built. we pay we pay those guards on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So my money is being stolen. Uh, uh, yeah, the buildings still exist. I will give you that. But uh, you the feed them, personnel though. is an extraordinarily expensive uh, endeavor. So you're you're taking money from me on a regular basis in order to keep people in those jails. Plus, you have to feed people in those jails and give them medical care and all kinds of things go into keeping those already existent structures functioning. How much of my okay, money so. are you willing to take from me because I don't want to pay for to keep thieves in jails? How much of my money are you willing to keep in there in order to keep your little plan going? Well, you know, I really uh, – what are you saying? That uh, we shouldn't be uh, imprisoning people for any reason? Uh, pe- people but, shouldn't be imprisoned unless they are a danger to society. Barry, if you would hold that Other thought, people. I'd like to talk about this a, a little bit more, and I've pulled up a story which uh, may explain a little bit more uh, what's going on here. It's Free Talk Live. Stay tuned. 855-450-FREE is our number. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. It's Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the live Sunday edition with Stephanie and Mark. 
And the number to call if you want to get in touch with us tonight is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We've been talking with Barry about this candy bar theft situation. Just to bring the listeners up to speed, um, I have a brief blurb that I pulled up about it because he's, he called in about a subject that came up on Friday night uh, here on Free Talk Live and want to let everybody come up to speed with that. But first, uh, Mark. If you want to get gold and silver, go to gold.freetalklive.com. There we make it easy for you to uh, see the prices of the coins that we have available. You can do your comparison shopping. We believe ourselves to have some of the best prices you're going to be able to find on the Internet for gold and silver. It's at gold.freetalklive.com. Not only are you getting the gold and silver you want in your hand shipped to you, but you're helping Free Talk Live in the process. It's gold.freetalklive.com. All right. Now, I'm going to bring Barry back here in a moment. But just to bring everybody up to speed, he has called in about what I think is this. There was a homeless man in Florida who stole some Twix and Snickers candy bars from a, oh, oh gosh, from, I guess, a convenience store. A place that has Twix and Snickers bars. Yes. And they were worth about $2. Uh, By the way, candy bars are outrageous in convenience stores. Like, it's a dollar for a candy bar. It's crazy. Really, that sounds kind of low to me. I would think it would be like two fifty. But then again, I don't buy candy bars. No, you don't. You're on the paleo diet or thing. <laughs> this person was a 21 no year old diet. homeless man. <laughs> I think it's pretty fun. Bacon, come on. Uh, was already on probation for retail petty theft when uh, the second crime occurred, and he got sentenced to a 180 day jail term and five hundred dollar fine. So let's go back to Barry. And first of all, Barry, is that does that sort of an accurate summary of what you were describing? Yes, it is. Okay. And I don't see uh, the problem with the sentence. I mean, where what do you do at a certain point? I mean, uh, for instance, uh, if you was running a store, you depend on the sales from that store to support yourself, correct? No doubt. Yeah, okay. I okay, so I feel really concerned well, about well, like... Let the, him go through his point. Stephanie. Okay. Look, yeah, th- thank you. Um, if, if, if you are continue to have the same thing happen over and over, uh, then you can't run that store because you're not making any money. You're not going to be able to support yourself. So you're going to have to hang it up and let the government support you. In other words, you know, my tax money is going to be supporting you because you didn't let somebody enforce the laws to stop somebody from stealing from me. Well, that's a welfare, that's a welfare problem. That's not a criminal justice problem. Um, I mean, you yes, know. it is. Yes, it is. So, okay, when, it's like if I steal your car, let me let me let me ask you. If I steal your car, you know, I'm not in, 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 in simply stealing your car. Is, should I go to jail for that, or should I just be able to pay you for what the car was worth? I, I you know, no, I didn't. That's not the point we made. Don't do not characterize the point that we've made as something that it's not. I've suggested that there would be a percentage well above, you know, two or three or four or five hundred percent the vehicle. If you're going to give me five hundred percent of what my car's worth, if you get caught for stealing it, Barry. I want you to steal my car. <laughs> so that would be restitution. I'm going to tell you where it is. <laughs> Let me present you with a scenario. Well, oh, hold on, Barry. Before I'm you a- make that point, I just want to mention that, you know, you said that you were concerned that this would just keep happening over and over again unless the person is, you know, taught a lesson by sending them to jail or making them pay a hefty fine. Well, this is this guy's second offense. He was already on probation for retail petty theft. So going through the jail, the legal system before yeah, didn't stop not him deterring this guy either. from doing it again. So He's probably just a homeless, crazy drunk. Okay. So you're not going uh, to you're, no, you're not going to teach him anything. There's nothing wrong. 
There's nothing wrong with being a homeless, crazy drunk. There's no laws against that, nor should there be. But if you're a homeless, crazy drunk, or you're not a homeless, crazy drunk, and you go out and you steal things that don't belong to you, that puts other people's livelihood in danger, then you have to be punished. And if you have the money... I have not advocated... Okay, so if you're a homeless, crazy drunk, you probably don't have the money. Uh, But, uh, you know, this is... I have not advocated that somebody not be punished. What you're doing is you're equating punishment with jail time, and I would ask you, what evidence do you have that jail is an effective punishment in preventing people from doing the things that they're told to do with a recidivist rate in this country well above 50%? It stops the same person from doing the same crime a week later. So, but but Barry, he did, he already got control. convicted of petty theft. And no, then he's he saying w- that keep them locked up. If you keep the crazy, oh, oh, the crazy uh, you know, drunk, uh, the crazy candy bar stealing drunk locked up, then he can't steal any more candy bars. But I ask you this, Barry, you know, what weight is this guy upon society that makes it worth spending $70,000 a year, that's some estimates in some states, for keeping him incarcerated. Now, that's a burden on society, too. I mean, it's just a welfare program to keep correctional officers employed. No, it's not. Because oh, no, no, you know uh. it's not. Okay, Barry, I have a question. I mean, so you, like, you are worried about the property rights of the person who gets stolen from, and I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. However, if the person who stole is sent to jail... That doesn't really give anything back to the person who got stolen from. That person still is missing an item or whatever if if the perpetrator goes to jail or has to pay a fine to the state. You see what I'm saying? Like the person who got the, the item taken from them, whose rights were violated, doesn't get anything to restitute them. So that okay. doesn't seem very so, fair to me. But, but, well, let me ask you a question and see. Let me get your opinion on this. Okay. Do you think that uh, a murderer should go to jail to go should be imprisoned. Well, I think that it, you know you're getting into a much more interesting area. Now, I mean, you know, I don't think you can prove a I'm point. Gonna, I'm going to bring it all together if okay. you'll just answer. I don't question. think you can make a I don't think you can make the same point for uh, candy bar thieves than you can for murderers, but I think that there's a much better argument for having non for having violent f- offenders incarcerated for some period of time. Okay. Do you think that if I steal your car, I should go to jail? You I, said no. You said that I think you think that if I have the money to pay you far more what the, than what the car is worth, then everything's okay. Well, well no, me, actually, let me, uh, Barry, no, let, let, let me, me make this clear. Let me, can I finish, please? Uh, no, because no, you're, you're mischaracterizing what I've said. <laughs> you're saying if you have the money. Barry, I think you should have to pay, and at the moment that an arbitrator says you have to pay. So therefore, if you have to go into slave labor in order to pay me off, in order you have to deal with some company akin to a pawn shop where you trade your labor for the five times the amount of my car, and then you have to go into the equivalent of a jail working for somebody under slave conditions in order to pay me off, then not, I'm fine with that, too. Okay, let's just say this. I mean, uh, and I know that um, it, this is, might not be the norm out here in the world today, but it's certainly, uh, I'm certainly not the only one. I'm an outdoorsman. Uh, I'm, I'm, I live in, in Idaho. We, um, you know, I park my truck somewhere. I go off. I go hunting. I come back. Somebody has stolen my truck, let's say. Has that, okay, uh, let's say. You know, right. I'm going to die. That's that's the equivalent of murder right there. You see, everything's not as black and white as you want to paint it out to be. That's why you have to be punished for committing a crime. 
I'm not suggesting that people not get punished, Barry. Why do you keep on characterizing my statements as that? Barry, do you consider do you consider it a punishment to have to pay? Suggesting that there's no prison time. Therefore, the rich people can go out and commit all the crimes they want because they have the money to pay for that to pay for their deeds. I, I, I don't think I rich... don't think they're going to be rich for very long if they go around offending people and stealing from them and things like that. I mean, they're going to run through that money pretty quick. And there's if an inf- I'm a, if, if I'm a multimillionaire, I can steal a whole lot of cars and pay you back four or five times what they're worth. But why you would you do it? I, if you've got to pay yeah, it back, why would you why do would that? You do it? <laughs> And then Why not also, just buy a car? <laughs> and then also, good luck getting an insurance company to cover you when all the insurance these insurance companies have to cover the people whose cars have been stolen. And then you're you know I mean, you're out there stealing them. I mean, it could, I mean you're going to make I your mean, life you very could, very miserable, and that's the punishment. You could make an argument that today wealthy people can afford good lawyers, and they're unlikely to do jail time if they do a crime. Right? I mean that's certainly the case with like politicians who get brought up on trial. And I stuff, say so. we just behead all the thieves. Why not just? I mean, oh my. Well, that's what we I need to do. We we Get need to behind teach people that. a lesson, <laughs> chop their heads off, and they'll never steal again. Barry, any final comments? Well, I believe that a crime deserves punishment. And I Me think too. that you have a gun and somebody is stealing from you. Th- we're out of time, Barry. Know. Thanks for the call. Appreciate your thoughts. It's Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE is our number. There's more coming up. If you've listened to Free Talk Live for any length of time, you're familiar with Bradley Jardis. Brad is the former police officer that now embraces the ideas of liberty, and now he's running for sheriff of Coas County in New Hampshire. Sheriff is a very important position from which a liberty-oriented individual can protect many rights of the populace. Any U.S. citizen can donate to his campaign up to $1,000. He's hoping to raise as much money as possible for his campaign, and his chances are quite good. He's running in Coas County, and Ron Paul actually carried Coas. I hope you'll trust me when I say that we know a few other good reasons that we believe Brad can win. Come on, join Ian and me in donating to Brad's campaign and getting a liberty-loving individual in this very important seat. If Brad gets this seat, it'll be the biggest win for the liberty movement in New Hampshire and maybe anywhere. Give what you can at bradforsheriff.com. Bradforsheriff.com. This was paid for by friends of Bradley Jardis, Bradley Jardis, fiscal agent. This is Free Talk Live, the live Sunday night edition with Stephanie and Mark. 855-450-FREE is our number. That's 855-450-3733 if you want to talk to us about restitution or uh, stealing candy bars or punishment and crime. Anything that's on your mind, please feel welcome to do so. And also, I maybe I should have mentioned this a little earlier in the show, but if you want to actually watch us doing the show instead of just listening, uh, there's still quite a bit left of, of tonight's program. You can go to cam.freetalklive.com and there you'll find the studio cam feed and the chat room where you can uh, see what we're doing. And so when Mark gets really animated and he's very passionately uh, talking to a caller and and uh, his face is getting crimson beet red, you can see it uh, live on the cam at cam.freetalklive.com. I got to say, you know, it was a rough day uh, cutting wood 
and you know, yes. I, I very uh, manly lumberjack. I, I you know, like, <laughs> lost a nut off of my uh, chainsaw, and I. What does bit- that mean? I, I'm not familiar with chainsaws. Chainsaws have nuts; they hold them together. Okay, losing one bad. Yeah, it um, sounds like it. And also bent the little support wheel thing on the front of uh, my trailer. So I, wow, I, I'm grumpy today anyway. So I hope <laughs> that uh, Barry didn't wear wouldn't didn't wear too much of that grumpiness. But um, you know, that was the case. You know, I wish I would have um, thought about this earlier. Sometimes it's a little hard to think on your feet, but I was I was kind of reflecting on that call during the break, and I was I wanted to ask Barry like if he's ever had anything stolen from him and what his experience of that was like. You know, did he receive any? I can't rest- imagine anybody doesn't uh, hasn't, hasn't had, had something, something stolen, stolen from them. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, everybody had something stolen from them. He and, he seemed know, to really a empathize. Shocking and upsetting thing. Yes, I I agree. Yeah. Um, he just like I was just struck by how much he was really seeming to empathize with the person who was victimized, like where the person had their property stolen. And he, he really like had a sense of like wanting justice about that. You but know, the other point that I was trying to make is that we are all victimized when the government says, don't worry, citizen, we'll take care of these lawbreakers. Yeah. <laughs> and they they build themselves big, giant jails full of correctional officers and and, uh, you know, feeding these inmates and, you know, all, well, all the stuff the- that goes in. And everybody argues about whether or not they should have cable or whatever the point is when the point is, you know, <laughs> yeah. what my contention would be is that I don't know that the government has any role in this at all. Yeah. But, I mean, if they did, it would simply, you know, I don't think they do. I think that uh, private arbitrators can do a better, faster, more efficient job than judges. I mean, I and think that's been shown all along. there are a lot of victimless crimes out there. Like, he was talking at the beginning of his call about victimless crimes, like drug use and uh, and things like that. Why do people need to be in jails for those anyway? I think he would probably agree with us there, well, right? Let me let me make and a, a lot point of here he... before we go. Uh, before okay. you go on, I think this is important. If this was run by a private arbitrator, but before it went to a judge, so let's say that the tri- private arbitrator says, "Okay, um, you know, this was a situation where you stole this man's truck. He was out in the woods. It was uh, this is a terrible situation. He had to walk back to town, or he could have died, or whatever. Some, you know, the the situation that Barry came up with. So I rule that you've got to pay." 10 times the trucker, you've got to pay $100,000 back. And the, you know, then the person at that point, uh, the thief can either way in his mind, well, I can come up with $100,000 or I can go, then we could take it to the court. We could, you know, the the regular. There's a role for insurance in this too, right? Because a lot of people insure things that are valuable, like their homes or their cars. So if their car gets stolen, they're going to pay, get a payout from the insurance company. So it wouldn't even necessarily have to be like, let's say the perpetrator trader couldn't restitute them in terms of monetary value or was not able to for whatever reason they're dead or something happened to them or they skipped town or whatever the person is still going to get some compensation back from their insurance right well and life insurance yeah. i mean that already happens today it's you could argue that it's impossible to restitute somebody for the loss of their life or the, sure. the but life you of a family restitute member them for their time and energy in a situation and yeah. somebody came along to my house and stole my car out of the driveway and uh, you know then i was offered an opportunity to get 10,000 or whatever dollars for the car rather than them going to court and having to spend uh, you know Six months in jail for having stolen the car. I'd rather have the ten grand because I'm never going to get oh, yeah. anything out, out of them otherwise. Yeah, exactly. I why? Don't... Why doesn't the victim? What happens to the victim in this circumstance matter? It's not this one size fits all. We got to use jail to prevent this behavior. Yeah, there's all kinds of options, but the government's terrible at coming up with options. Terrible. I, I think it. a lot of people who steal things are not thinking. Oh, I better not do this because I might go to jail. Right. 
I, there, there's probably other things on their minds because most, you know, there are lots of products available. Lots of people leave things around that could get stolen, but most of the time they're not stolen, right? So what's going through people's heads when they actually steal? I don't really know. But uh, anyway, uh, I, I kind of doubt the idea of going to jail is stopping someone who's maybe desperate for drug money or is really hungry. Like it was alleged in the case of this um, homeless person who stole the candy bars that he was like out on the street and starving. So is that does that factor into it at all? I think it does in, uh, you know, for one, it's all perception. And I think that, uh, you know, somebody's, uh, you know, economic state, especially if they're very poverty stricken and they're mm-hmm. stealing food. Yeah, I think that matters um, to, to the average individual. And, uh, you know, how, how would that come, you know, work into a free market system? Somebody might very well say, I'll pay his fine. Yeah. Uh, could be. Uh, let's go to John Kennedy. He's listening on, uh, well, he's from Nevada. John, are you with us? John, why are you giving your last name? Because it sounds uh, like uh, maybe a famous person, huh? Maybe. <laughs> he's well, calling. No, he, he asked me my name. I was just on it. <laughs> okay. There you go. So what's on your mind, John? Board up. Never put anybody's last name on the, the, the call screening. Somebody with this, John's it's a very has. common name. I think he's protected by anonymity okay. to a certain extent. Good. But anyway, John, uh, tell us what's on your mind. Yeah, I had a question for Mark about restitution. Um, uh, you know, I think your restitution is pretty interesting, but uh, what do you do in cases you steal the $30,000 car and then you find out they're judgment-proof because they don't have any assets? So you may, you may say they owe you $150,000, but they don't have anything. I think this so is, this is very that? interesting. And if you're talking a total free market system where – you know, incarceration has been taken over by a private, more private entity, then they're likely to be using people for currently under incarceration. They use inmates as slave labor. Would you agree with that statement? Uh, yeah, fair enough. Yep. I mean, they do. I mean, they force them to work. They say that they're going to confine, put you in confinement if you don't work. And they, they don't get to keep what they produce, right? They don't get to keep what they produce. The state's very inefficient. Would you, would you private workhouses that would uh, that would uh, let you work off your your debt I think that that's probably the only thing that's going to work is uh, you know if there's some kind of judgment of $30,000 against somebody who's as you say judgment proof um, that the only thing they've got is their body or now, insurance if in a wheelchair you've got a tough well yeah there's certainly insurance everybody knows about insurance i mean you know it's well, out there I may some, be insured. Uh, yeah i may be insured and be and, and get restitution that's fine but if there's no if if we're not going to have a judgment against the thief, then there's no reason for him to stop stealing. Yeah, but you know, I mean, and I think that's I think that likely in most circumstances, uh, people are going to have at least some ability to do some kind of labor, whether that labor is uh, you know turning big rocks into little rocks or making uh, you know manning a uh, a phone screening you know some kind of uh, phone service or something like that, you know taking orders for hotels. I mean, they have inmates doing things like this, so there's probably something they can do for somebody in order to pay this off, and. You know, if the if the damage is too high, I think one that comes to mind was this uh, drunk sea captain who ran a uh, ship into a bridge in Tampa when I was a kid, and I think oh it was my. like 1979, wow. and like he killed 17 people or something like that oh. because he knocked down the Skyway Bridge. Wow! I mean, how do you get that person to ever pay back? And the answer is you don't. Yeah, you can't. You just can't. I mean, there's no way that anybody, you know, it's, this is one of the reasons you have insurance because somebody out there is going is liable to do something so so terrifying, so awful that um, you know you have to have insurance for it. 
Well, yeah, I understand that. I just want to be able to, you know, deter the thieves from, from you know, continuing the behavior. So are you saying that you would approve of private parties using force to make these people pay off their debt? I think that, uh, you know, there's uh, – I've heard interesting um, ideas on both sides. Like what if there was a um, – uh, you know, a rating service out there that uh, would, you know, ding someone's credit essentially or their eBay rating or whatever the equivalent is in a free market and say that this person is a really bad individual because they shirk on their debts or something like that. I yeah, mean, judgment proof people might already be like they that. They might. And I can't I can't make a, a, a good argument in that in that area. Those people I exist do advocate today, don't for they? Use, in force, use of force in that area. OK, thank you very much. All right. Thanks for the call, John. I think judgment-proof people exist today, don't they? There have been people who have filed bankruptcy a bunch of times, have no credit to speak of. Somehow they get by, I suppose, right? Do you want those people to be incentivized in the area of theft, though? I think is no, the but but aren't they already and? Well, it's, all it's a different kind. Of, it's not theft or fraud. If I, if I lend fraud. you, no, it's not fraud either. If I lend you my car and you don't bring it back in the time frame that I said you were going to, you just decide to keep it. Mm-hmm. You haven't stolen the car. I handed you the keys. This is a civil situation, not a criminal one. Yeah. Well, you. I don't know. You broke an agreement. Still, yeah, it so really you, stinks. I you mean, could argue a, that it is fraudulent you because you made keep a better eye, eye on who you loaned your car I to. I don't let Stephanie. anyone borrow my car. There, you won't have the problem then, <laughs> will you? It's Free Talk Live eight five five four fifty free. Hey, can I borrow your car? Give us a call eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Richard Grove of TragedyAndHope.com, and thanks to the help of Mark and Ian here on Free Talk Live, we've created this call to action to help raise awareness for John Taylor Gatto. In 2001, former New York City and State School Teacher of the Year, John Taylor Gatto, published The Underground History of American Education, detailing how public schooling creates obedient workers and debt slaves. Now John delivers a message which he calls your birthright. It's titled The Ultimate History Lesson, and it's a five-hour journey illustrating how and why our public schools are dumbing us down and what we can do about it. Therein, referencing more than 200 footnotes and 30 classic texts. John suffered multiple strokes in the weeks after filming this interview, and he's in need of your help as he continues to recover. Please click the banner on freetalklive.com and enter the coupon code FTL and we'll send you the ultimate history lesson on four DVDs plus a free 15-hour MP3 bonus DVD. Thank you for tuning in and not dropping out. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday night edition with Stephanie and Mark. We'd love to hear from you tonight at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733 as we launch into the third hour of tonight's program. And I uh, also want to let you know about shop.freetalklive.com. If you like what you've been hearing tonight or if you like what we do every single night of the week here on Free Talk Live, not we as in me and Mark, we as in all the wonderful co-hosts and Ian, the normal host of Free Talk Live, uh, you can say thank you to Free Talk Live. Think by Ian's normal? Uh, <laughs> I guess it depends on who you ask, but he is normally the host of Free Talk Live. He's number in the number one chair. I think that all three of us are hosts of Free yes, Talk Live. I agree. Uh, so if you like what Free Talk Live does, you can go to shop.freetalklive.com for a really easy way to thank the program for uh, what they do. And basically the way it works is when you enter Amazon through Free Talk Live's... Shop.freetalklive, yeah. 
Uh huh. Y- yes. When you enter, um, it, it'll take you to Amazon, and it's a portal from Free Talk Live's referral link to go to Amazon.com. There, you can do your normal shopping and buy the things that you buy online through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a small referral fee from whatever you purchase. So, thank you in advance for that. We really appreciate it. All right, Mark. Um, you know, we're starting off the third hour of the show, and we were talking a little bit in the second hour about, uh, well, crimes, you know, restitution. And one of those things that I think uh, people who like liberty generally consider um, a, a crime or a cardinal sin, if you could call it that, is is fraud, right? Force and fraud right. are like the big no-nos, according to the non-aggression principle, which we all uh, really like. So there's been a Someone who I don't think cares at all about the non-aggression principle because he is a politician who has. Done I don't think something. that that's necessarily the uh, you know the the one the conclusion one can draw, but one can just look at his voting record and see that he cares nothing about the uh, the non-aggression principle. Yeah, I, I don't even I doubt he even knows what that is or has thought really about philosophy in his life. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh of a judge. Machiavelli but- was a philosopher. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. Uh, So anyway, um, we're talking about Paul Ryan, who's Mitt Romney's running mate. That's correct. I try as hard as I can to just be completely cut off from the world of politics. I don't pick the wrong career. (laughs) Well, I think we can still talk about issues and I don't have to spend hours combing over political news that I hate and that makes me feel sad and depressed. Right. And I can have a reasonably good discussion about an issue or an idea without knowing all the dirty details of what politicians are doing. I think issues are far more interesting than politicians. Politicians are just uh, the names change, but the uh, the dirty uh, scoundrels pretty much stay the same. I mean, you know, it's just it's a different dirty scoundrel. And (laughs) right. So maybe we shouldn't even bother saying who this is, but (laughs) maybe it doesn't even matter. But there is a prominent politician who basically boasted about running a marathon in a pretty good time, which was what under three hours. And just to put it in perspective, like four hours is a pretty good marathon, right? Two hours. That's getting to the limit of like the top athletes in the world. Is, two, can, has anybody gone below, uh, two, below and a half two hours? Maybe is one of the fastest. I think. Yeah, I can't. I I, I, I haven't. I have a I don't difficult know off time the top imagining of someone going it. I'd have to look, and I haven't looked. Yeah. Um, but a two-hour marathon, I I don't I don't think it's can be done. But you know, obviously, I don't know. Some of these like uh, athletes from especially like. Uh, the Kenyan athletes are really talented at, at running marathons, but they seem to have not some, that where you're born makes any difference. I just remember I think it's that programs that they participate in probably to some extent. And I do be. think that uh, I do think that someone's uh, physical. OK, so, uh, you know, ethnicity can play into physical roles. Uh, Tutsis are known for being the tallest uh, group of people. And, uh, you know, really? pig- pygmies. It's are hard known to for being define a Tutsi, right? Isn't there like there's no real genetic test or anything, right? Like, how could you? How do you know what a Tutsi is? That's what I'm saying. Sure. Uh, I mean, if you go to the place where the Tutsis are and you see a lot of tall people, then you probably, you know, that's where the Tutsis are. Yeah. And no and doubt it's an advantage to, the, to the be tall. Are, you know, <laughs> they're going to have you have a bunch of short people. And uh, there you go. So. Yeah. And if you're running a marathon, it's it makes sense that if you're taller and lighter, then you'll have an advantage and you have good um, stamina with running long distances. Yep. But genetics matter in athletics, and I, I, I wouldn't want to make it seem like I didn't believe that truth. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, nonetheless, uh, Paul it, Ryan has said that uh, he has run a sub three minute mile or three minute, uh, excuse me, marathon or sub three hour marathon. By the way, the fastest uh, marathon. Sorry, Mark. The fastest marathon was two hours, three minutes and two seconds 
by Jeffrey Mutai. I guess somebody's going to break it then, aren't they? Somebody's going to go faster, four minutes faster than that. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's he's booking it. Like, that's really fast. <laughs> that's, that's some five-minute miles. I'm right? stunned. But, I don't know how fast it is. It's really fast. Yeah. I um, mean, f- two, two hours is a great time for a half marathon, you know? <laughs> but he's doing that twice. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> so anyway, but, but apparently this politician claimed, made a pretty extraordinary claim that he ran a marathon in less than three hours. That's correct. Um, and it's, it's, and it's, it Ryan was bo- last week told focus? <laughs> Hugh Hewitt on his show that he had run a marathon under three hours in the high twos. It had a uh, two hour and 50 something. And even for somebody who's hyper fit like Ryan, a sub three is a substantial accomplishment requiring a runner to average under seven minute miles, a pace almost uh, that wow. most recreational runners yeah, can't even fast. hold for a mile or two. Very fast. Yeah. And uh, actually, they researched it in 1990 when he ran his marathon. And, I, you know, I would be prefacing it, any statement about my marathon running abilities that were, um, you know, that it's more than 20, 20 years ago. <laughs> um, but anyway, that uh, the statement was is that the race lists Ryan's finish at four hours, one minute and 25 seconds. That's still not bad, but it's not oh, what yeah, he said. It's great. Right. <laughs> and what I wonder to myself is, is this a sort of a this is really going to matter to the people that it matters to? I don't think that this is that big of a lie in the area of politicians telling lies. Yeah, what about all the other things that they lie about all the time? And what about the the acts that they do? You know, taking people's money against their wills, starting these wars around the world. Uh, you know, but we they were just seem, talking about drone those strikes. Don't seem to matter. I mean, yeah, I wonder why though. I mean, I I guess people just don't want to think about it. When Obama says that he was going them? to create more transparency in America, and he didn't. And he is, in fact, the least transparent of all presidents that in modern history oh, yeah. and has been the far worst when it comes to whistleblowers. No one on the Democratic side seems to care because they're so worried about uh, the Republicans. But I guess my question is this. This is this is truly going to matter to the individuals in the, that, that run marathons. And there's a lot of them out there. This is, you know, this is the kind of nasty lie that people would you know, that the people are really going to find distasteful that run these marathons. And will that matter or will it just be kind of brushed under the rug? I mean, because I kind of feel like when <sighs> disreputable behavior among politicians is kind of funny. You know, John Edwards is a politician and that's synonymous with a liar and a thief. But when sure. he cheats on his wife with cancer with some other lady, oh. it ends his political career. Yeah. So, I but, mean, and frankly, yeah, I don't so know why didn't the things that he actually did while he was being a politician, like his job, the things that were in his job description, why didn't that set off people's red flags? You know, why did it, does it take a personal infidelity or an affair to make people dislike him? I, don't, I just don't get it. I agree with you that it's complete. The focus is like a little bit off from maybe where it should be. It's more a little, but uh, it's way off. It's just what the expectations that people have of politicians. The expectations that people have of politicians are very low. But I guess they're supposed to be. They're supposed to tell the truth about everything in their private lives. But once they get into their public lives, the expectation is that they'll tell all kinds of lies and make all kinds of deals and you know the sort of dirty backroom log rolling and back scratching that goes on in in Washington. So So if this kind of thing is nothing new why do people still keep like obsessing over politics 
politics and thinking that politicians can save them and participating in politics. I just don't. Do you think that people think that politicians can save them? Oh, yeah. What I think you, a lot of people you... thought that about Obama, right? Well, Especially guess, before yeah. he got maybe, elected, maybe right? You're right. Maybe I you're... think maybe people still think that about him. Yeah, to some extent, Obama had the sort of savior meme going on. And yeah. I think that uh... people had that about Ron Paul, too. And I mean, yeah, maybe he had a lot more ideas that people like us would agree with than a politician like Obama or Romney, well, but he's Ron not going to save you. Decades of uh, you know of votes that you could look at. I mean, this was a guy that didn't compromise. But he didn't his save principles. anybody, and he's not he's not well, he Jesus. A, he's he not the, mis- the opportunity to right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he even could have if he did. Right. I he mean, could pardon drug users. You'd darn sure feel safe if you were in prison for twenty years for uh, marijuana charge. And, yeah, uh, you got fair enough. Out. But okay. Anyway, but well, what about the rest of them though? I mean, why do people still think they're going to be saved by politicians? Hard to say. If you do, if you believe that, uh, please let us know at eight five five four fifty free eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Which politicians going to save you, or are none of them? It's Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society: the wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. is Free Talk Live, the live Sunday night edition with Stephanie and Mark. You can call us at 855-450-FREE, 855-450-3733 with your thoughts about anything that's on your mind this evening. Also want to let you know about amp.freetalklive.com, which is a little more... um, it's a way to support Free Talk Live for a very reasonable rate. Just $3 a month can help us grow Free Talk Live, spread the message to more people. If you like what we're doing, uh, it's a great use of your dollar for liberty. And uh, it, you also get perks like a commercial-free podcast. So if uh, if that's uh, not enough, the ideological uh, convictions are not enough to motivate you to AMP, you can also get access to the uh, uh, commercial-free podcast, which a lot of people really enjoy. If you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, uh, the best place to go is manventureoutpost.com. They've got the name brands at the lowest prices you're going to be able to find on the internet. Now, you shouldn't take my word for it. You should do some comparison shopping. If you're an outdoors enthusiast, you need to know that this uh, is a true statement, but I believe it is. All my experience points to, yes, Manventure Outpost has knives and ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment, all kinds of camping gear, the name brands at the lowest prices, and they're family-owned, members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. And with the coupon code FTL, you can get an additional 5% off. That's basically like getting your shipping free. It's manventureoutpost.com, coupon code FTL. FTL is in Free Talk Live. Cool. All right. Let's talk about this pot smoker who got caught by a facial recognition camera. Can you tell me more about well, that? I don't know that it's a facial recognition camera. Um, it's oh, a, it sounds so fancy in the in the description, but right. you you say it's just a plain old camera. ClickOrlando.com reports. Uh, I, right. I've read the story. I haven't gotten any indication that this is anything but a series of cameras uh, about the city. <laughs> Orlando's oh, Iris wow. cameras, and this is a an acronym because it's all spelled in capital letters. Either that or they're yelling it right. Oh. Iris. 
cameras uh, help <laughs> Wait, nab. Okay, you read this to me. It really sounded like they, it was some high tech um, thing that scans your iris, but it's just that's the name of the company or something or or the acronym of the whatever acronym, it stands for. Yeah, nabbed oh. in a suspected pot smoker. It says misleading. here. 29-year-old Orlando man was arrested on suspicion of smoking pot and swallowing the joint after he was spotted with marijuana in the city's video camera system, known as Iris. Uh, this guy was Sounds arrested. really badass, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> they're just pumping themselves up as usual. He was arrested by the Orlando police on charges of possession of cannabis, less than 20 grams, and tampering with uh, physical evidence. According to the arrest David, the Orlando police sergeant was using the innovative response to improve safety. That's Iris. Uh, oh, camera to monitor gag me with a spoon. <laughs> South Terry Avenue and West South Street, in an area known for drug activity, spotted three men possibly smoking marijuana. Officers approached the men, and this guy turned his back and appeared to put the blunt in his mouth. The arrest affidavit stated that Haywood was handcuffed and ordered to uh, open his mouth, but refused. So the officer tried for thirty seconds to use pressure points in his jaw to open his mouth. Uh, the officer Ew. said he swallowed the joint. During the incident, a marijuana could be smelled on him, the report stated. The officer said that they noticed a green leafy substance, which they described as uh, unburned cannabis leaf on his teeth, according to the affidavit. And he was arrested, taken to jail. And two, two other men were not arrested, uh, according to the police. And so what I find very interesting here is, is that they don't have any evidence. Yeah, they couldn't produce it. Well, they, what did... Did they actually have the green leafy substance that they scraped off of his teeth? And or if, if they if they did, like that's a, that's an important piece of evidence. Let's you know find out whether or not this is uh, marijuana. Not I that suppose. this should be any kind of a crime in the first place. I'm just entertaining the right. notion that yeah, they didn't have but any evidence. By all appearances, they had no evidence to uh, yeah. you know to really support that this guy. I mean, you know, a guy turns his back and swallows a uh, a cigarette in front of uh, police. Yeah. So that's immediately cause. I mean, I, I guess it's cause for suspicion, but I don't think he should have necessarily been arrested. And Scrape his teeth, take the stuff, and uh, then, you know, if you find out that it's marijuana after spending tens of my thousands of my taxpaying dollars on this pointless activity uh, and wasting time and trying to justify your, your senseless jobs, um, then you can find out that he's uh, guilty of it and you can put an arrest warrant out rather than throwing him in jail. Because I just think that this is a silly, silly thing to put somebody in jail for. And this is what these cameras are being used. For. That's the point that I wanted to touch on was, yeah, these cameras are billed as some kind of a public safety thing, right? Like they're to, vet, to prevent murders and, and robberies and stuff like that. At least, I mean, I know in the UK, I didn't know that they actually had them in Florida now, which is kind of creepy. But in the UK where they're everywhere, they're on the streets, in Chicago too. Yeah. And Chicago America, has those microphones. Your, uh, your too. government is watching you through cameras. Just like 1984 said. Well, actually, our audience is watching us through a camera, but that's consensual. It's voluntary. (laughs) (laughs) We put the camera up there so people can watch if that's what they want to do. That's cam.freetalklive.com. You can participate in the chat room um, also. But I mean, okay, returning to that point about the cameras, they were not like sold to the people as something that would help catch pot smokers, right? They... I mean, there must have been no violent crimes going on in the entire city if the cops were just sitting there. Oh, somebody's smoking pot. Let's go get him. They must have had nothing else to do, right? Why well, is that their top priority? 
they're probably in that neighborhood, and they were directed there by the uh, the camera people. And I, th- I think the suggestion is is that if you stop small crimes, then you won't have large crimes. But the reason that oh, these yeah. neighborhoods likely have higher crime rates is because of the war on drugs in the first place. Because uh, you know, because the because best of w- the war on drugs, the not war because on drugs. of the drugs. Because the you know these these the people in these neighborhoods will often come to the conclusion the best way for me to get wealthy is to sell drugs because they are you know they they, they you. Can make so much money doing so well if the drugs were legal and they were sold at the drugstore there's really no evidence that they wouldn't just cost the amount that a bottle of aspirin costs or i mean a pack of cigarettes is more than more than half taxes so you really can't say a pack of cigarettes but you know if marijuana was if marijuana was legal this would have never happened and they would have never been hassling this guy and the fourth amendment wouldn't have would have you know never been besmirched in the way that it was and it's it's sad that americans just let their rights slip away in this way. Well, what are they going to do? What I mean, are they going to do? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that question. I mean, I wouldn't want to blame people for like relinquishing their rights because I don't think they've had much of a choice. Really, I, I, I can't say. I think it's just you know it's it's a sad statement about yeah. the uh, the state of things in this country that so many people will cheer this on. Oh yay! Cameras, as if they yeah. weren't warned by, uh, you know, Orwell in the first place, yeah. as if the the warnings didn't exist. You know, well, cameras are a great way to uh, for us to secure our freedoms. You know, and of course, you know, freedom is slavery. <laughs> Let's go to Ed. He's waiting on the phone lines. He wants to talk about the candy bar incident. Ed, are you with us? Oh yeah, I'm ready to punish somebody too. Uh oh, no punishing, Ed. <laughs> Get out of the way. <laughs> go ahead, Ed. What is all this punishment stuff? But all right, we've already talked about that. Hey, and Mark, this leads me right into the uh, <laughs> the war on drugs. Have y'all seen this new uh, movie coming out, The House I Live In? No. By Eugene Jarecki. I think he wrote Reagan and some about Kissinger. But it's, it's, it says the war on drugs has been a national vernacular for so long that it seems old-fashioned. Eugene Jarecki, Sunday's... Sundance winning documentary, The House I Live In, unravels that overused term and his approach is exhausted and sometimes overbearingly detailed. Ed, I want to hear more about this. If you wouldn't mind, uh, please please hold that thought. This is Free Talk Live. Uh, If you want to tell us uh, what your experiences have been with the war on drugs or if you've ever been caught by one of these cameras, that would be really creepy but also really interesting to hear about at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. It's Free Talk. Do you like action and adventure? Do you like suspense? Do you like being scared? Are you tired of the same old crap from your fantasy and horror authors? Then try something original. Give Matthew Bellotti's books a read. As a special promotion to introduce you to his work, all his ebooks will be free to download at mwb.freetalklive.com September 5th and 6th. All five of his books, free, no strings attached. It's Matthew Wayne Bellotti, the best fantasy horror author you've never heard of. mwb.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the live Sunday night edition with Stephanie and Mark. 855-450-FREE is the number you can call if you want to talk to us tonight. 855-450-3733. We'd love to hear from you about anything that's on your mind. And uh, we've been talking with Ed uh, about the war on drugs. Ed, are you back with us? Hey. Hey. Yeah, I'm here. You know, Ed, I looked up this. I looked up this documentary that you mentioned called "The House That I Live In" uh, over the uh, the last break, and I found that there was uh, Frank 
Sinatra film. It's like a 10-minute short. That, I assume, is not the one you were referring to. There's also a 2012 edition of The House I Live In, which is a investigative look at America's war on drugs and its impact on the criminal justice system. But uh, I, I think uh, Mark had something he wanted to get in here real quick. Yeah, real quick, I want to tell you about BitInstant.com. It is a website that you can go to to uh, get procure Bitcoins. If you don't know what Bitcoins are, go to WeUseCoins.org. They're a peer-to-peer open source currency that's uh, gaining popularity and uh, value um, on the Internet. And BitInstant makes it easy for you to uh, get your Bitcoins. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your Bitcoins. Uh, so it's BitInstant.com, and you can make deposits at more than 750,000 locations around the world. BitInstant.com. Cool. All right. Well, go ahead, Ed, with your thoughts on hey, this uh, documentary. I, mean, I missed a lot of the show at first, but, you know, you were talking about, I heard something about a candy bar or something being stolen. Can you tell me real quick what that yes, is? Yes. Okay, so that we had a caller, Barry, called in, and he was referencing something that I guess they discussed on the Friday night edition of Free Talk Live this week, which was that there was a homeless guy who stole a couple candy bars from somebody, I guess maybe a, a, somewhere where they sell candy bars, and he was convicted of theft and he got 180 days in jail and a $500 fine for these for stealing these candy bars which were worth like $2 and the I guess I, I don't want to put words on their mouth you can go back and listen to the archive of course right there on freetalklive.com but apparently the Friday night hosts were saying that you know, this is way too harsh of a, a sentence. You know, why? It seems like cruel and unusual punishment to me, which the founding mm-hmm. fathers were very clear is not a good thing. Yeah, why not just have this guy restitute? Hey, why didn't somebody, if I'd have worked there, I'd have just bought the candy bars. I'd have said, hey, he ain't going to jail. Here they are. Here's the money. Or I'd tell the guy, if they think, did you say he does this regular or often? Uh, he had done it once before, and he was already on probation for some other instance of theft. Oh. Yeah, I, I yeah, think I'd that... just say, hey, you don't have to steal anything. You want a couple of things? Here you go. Yeah. I'll buy it for you. Well, okay, I, so, okay. Now the I'm problem, tell y'all wait, a wait, Ed, story that happened to me. Ed, well, before you go on and tell your story, and I'm, I, you know, I want to hear it. I'm what I'd be concerned with if I worked as a clerk is if uh, you know would this word spread around the homeless community because that's what this guy was, and would everybody come in there for free candy bars? Pretty soon, the nine dollars an hour I'm um, making sitting behind the counter playing uh, Target for the the, the next uh, guy who wants to come in and rob that place is going to be eaten up by people who want free candy bars. Hey, hey, what they're probably going to say is, if you rob any store, don't rob that one. That guy will buy you a candy bar. Oh, I don't think they're homeless people are robbing stores. <laughs> no, they're not. I'm just saying it. Hey, but hey, Mark, let me get into this. Though. Go ahead. You don't believe what happened to me when I, this is about 30 years ago. It was a drug deal hoax. Uh, these four black guys came up to the park where we all hung out, talking about they had some real good weed, which they did. Anyway, you know, I didn't know better. I got in the car with these cats because I knew this black club owner and i told him we were going there these dudes kidnapped me and took me 30 miles to the um mississippi river and told me i was going to end up in there oh my they had a guns knives anyway i tried to get out a few times and of course i couldn't get out and they started hitting me and stuff but anyway they took me up to the river and what i told them and i don't know if this saved me or not but i said hey uh before i got in this car uh, oh, yeah, also I said this. I said, look, if you just let me out right now, I'll just get out and go on and nothing to come of this. But they didn't anyway. Uh, so they pulled their guns and knives and stuff on me, and I said, look, I don't have any money. And I forgot what I was going to say, something else on that. But uh, Well, were you going to make a point about uh, you know what what um, occurred on the way out? I mean, you know, this, this seems like a really scary situ- situation. Yeah, what did was, you say? It scared me a little bit. A little I, bit? I how did you, why did you live? 
Well, listen, listen, you're not going to believe this. They told me to take off my shirt. Here's four dudes, black dudes. And listen, I've come to find out two or three of them had already escaped from prison, and they had robbed like 15 stores across the, uh, these counties here. But anyway, this guy said, take your shirt off. And, you know, I was thinking they were going to do something sexual or something to me. You know what I told them? I ain't taking anything off. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and they popped me upside the head a few times, so I took my shirt off, took my pants off, and they would, you know, they thought I had money. Uh-huh. But anyway, listen to this. I, I could go on. I, I, I don't want to keep going. But anyway, we end up going to court, and guess what I told them, Stephanie? Wait, how did you get out of that? What What did you say to them? To oh, let- they let me go. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what I forgot to tell you. Oh, I told them. I said, look, before I got in this car, this license plate number, I gave it to four or five of my friends just in case something like this might happen. So we do have your license number, and I don't know if that did it. It never came out in court, but listen, we went to court. And was that true? Did you really? Oh, oh yeah, here's what they told me, Stephanie. Okay. They lined, They all four of them got in front of me. Because believe it or not, I was kind of fighting them off a little bit. I almost got the gun. Matter of fact, it kind of scared them. But oh. anyway, I got out of that, but of course they got me in the end. And uh, anyway, it was all four of them standing up there. And they, he just said, take off running. And I did. Listen, this is court. I could prove it. This is court documented. So I let me get this straight. Were you, did you, did you, did you take off? Before you go on, hey, Ed, did you take off running in your underpants? Is that what happened? Yes. <laughs> wow. Good story. That's go ahead. Amazing Mark, story. Mark, don't you be like. He almost died, Mark. <laughs> no, it's no, a funny I, story. Hey, it was all right. Listen to this, Stephanie. We got to court, and what do you think I told him? I, I, I'm very interested. I said, hey, they didn't hurt me too bad. They didn't kill me. Let them all go. <laughs> Listen to this. Oh I said, let them all go. Wow. They declared me. Listen, it happened to me. <laughs> they declared me a hostile witness. <laughs> wow. So unbelievable. So I'm kind of curious said, here. Let them all go. Ed, wow. I mean, these guys, these guys could very well have killed you and put you at the bottom of the Mississippi River, right? Yeah, but they didn't. But they, oh, didn't. they didn't. They yeah. didn't. Um, but and they, I said, let them go. If it hadn't have been you, that may very well have been somebody else that they put at the bottom of uh, the Mississippi River. And don't you, to some extent, aren't you protecting the other people in the future that these nope. these guys might hurt joint or severally by... Uh, you know, saying, yeah, I think these guys need to go to jail for a little while. Well, they did go to jail. One of them passed out. You know, I said, hey, I said, let them all go. What, what do you mean passed out? One, when they gave him the Senate, one of them got seven years. He took it to court and others, I think, ratted on him and all. But like I said, the more I thought about it, I said, hey, man, let all them dudes go. And this guy got eight years and he collapsed right there in the courtroom. But, wow. hey, but Mark, listen, they did. I've seen a lot of people get a lot more time than eight years for for doing something a lot less than that. Yeah. Well, this was back, like I said, thirty years ago. Amazing, but, Ed. I'm. Thank you for sharing that with us. I'm fascinated by that story. All right. <laughs> Just let them go. Quit yeah, punishing. Yeah. That's your motto. Let them go. You know, I really wonder about. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> in certain circumstances, it seems like the moral thing to do. To have people have consequences for their actions. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those consequences need to be the right thing. And I think they need to make the victim whole um, as best possible. But so in that case, Ed didn't want anything, I guess, mm -hmm. from from those people. Yeah.
And I guess this is one of the reasons why the government has picked up, uh, has, has changed their system for uh, charging people. Because now, as a victim, you really don't have any say as far as dropping the charges or something like that. I mean, people will often say, well, the, uh, the victim dropped the charges. Yeah, in 1936, they might have dropped the charges, but they're not dropping the charges in the lifetime of anybody who's uh, you know running around listening to this show. It's uh, very unlikely that, um, you know, because there was some shift some at some point in criminal law where you know you, you know, people bring charges of uh, against someone criminal or otherwise and the state would essentially prosecute now the state just does the prosecution of whatever it is and the victim as evidenced by this story yep. it doesn't really matter what the victim has to say yeah i know that that bothers me about the whole so-called justice system i think it should be relevant what the victim actually wants it does seem like there should be some level of relevance i i, I wonder i question uh, I, I question his uh, judgment on this but i think that what ed wanted it is relevant yeah well tell us what you think has anything like that ever happened to you? Have you been kidnapped and been let go? Uh, meantime, I think we're going to get into, uh, well, this is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Stay tuned. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's the final segment of the live Sunday edition tonight with uh, Stephanie and Mark. But there's still time to get your thoughts in if you'd like to comment tonight. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Talking a lot tonight about sort of crime and punishment. So if you want to get uh, a comment in on that, I'd be interested to hear it. If you're looking to start a business, here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is, uh, is fast and easy. I've gone over there and I've made a will. And they do all kinds of legal documents there, whether there's patents or wills or trademarks or incorporation, LLCs, living trusts, whatever it is that you need to do to protect yourself and your family, LegalZoom.com makes it significantly easier um, with common legal documents that people trust. Uh, legal Fortune magazine calls LegalZoom.com blessedly simple. And you can use coupon code FTL to save $10 on your order, LegalZoom.com. All right, Mark. Uh We've talked a lot tonight about the sort of so-called justice system, right, which focuses a lot on punishment and not so much on uh, restitution and can have uh, sort of large differences between sort of like the severity of the crime and the degree of uh, so-called punishment, right? But I wanted to talk about this story with you. This is like almost unbelievable how unfair this seems. And uh, I think that's why there's a petition going around about this on change.org. I get some change. I get change.org too. Mm -hmm. And change.org has some really great petitions and then some really crappy ones. I absolutely agree. (laughs) I do not sign all of the petitions I see there. But in this case, it seems legit. And then I also checked out uh, his 
the Wikipedia article about this gentleman, and I, f- I think it's worth sharing with the listeners. So um, here we go from change.org. Ryan Joseph Hall was, uh, he was born in 1982, so he's about 30 years old, was convicted in 2004 of first degree murder for not killing anyone. He lent his Chevrolet Metro to a friend, William Allen Jr., who used the car to drive others to a house in order to commit a burglary, during which a murder was committed. So he lent his friend a car. His friend drove to another house intending to commit a burglary and ended up murdering somebody. This is what they call felony one murder. And the the suggestion is, is that if you in some way participate in a crime, a felony, that results in the death of a person, that you are then subject to whatever the penalty is for first-degree murder. Oh, and I, I think see. it's very interesting because wow. consider what second-degree murder is. Second-degree murder is, uh, you know, you and a person get into a fight in a parking lot and you kill that person in that fight. So you had no intention at that point to kill that person, but you, in this case, you have the intention of committing the crime. So they consider that committing the crime is therefore forethought for committing the murder. Yep. You know, I mean, when you're talking about burglary of a dwelling, it's it's difficult to know whether or not somebody had the expectation that somebody would be in that house. I think from the Wikipedia article that I read, um, so the person who did the murder used the car to drop off three people at the house of a known drug dealer where they removed a safe containing a pound of marijuana and about fourteen hundred dollars. And then during the burglary, one of victims of the drug war. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely. Uh, During the burglary, one of the men who was in this car used a shotgun he had found in the house to bludgeon to death the drug dealer's 18-year-old daughter. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty violent and and horrible. Well, yeah. However, the person... Two people removed from the guy who owns the car. Yeah, exactly. The guy who owns the car loans the car to a guy who's going to drive those people to a burglary. And and we don't know whether or not he knew that the burglary was going to go on, yeah. but I'm going to assume that they that he did. So he loans the car for the purpose of driving people to a burglary, and then somebody, one of the burglars, not the driver of the car, not the person to whom the driver, the the owner lent the car, then bludgeons somebody to death, um, you know, in a disgusting manner in in this robbery. Yeah, I mean, and who knows what he knew about this? Like the this story this is, is saying doesn't that- sound like a burglary. It sounds like a, almost a home invasion. But okay. Yeah, yeah, they took some drugs and money, and yeah, maybe it was it was planned and orchestrated. I I don't really know. There but. are different levels of burglary, and uh, this seems to reach the highest level of them, which mm-hmm. would be a burglary of an occupied armed burglary of an occupied dwelling. Yeah, which is basically home invasion. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, but I mean, what did this guy know about it? And it does is life in prison without parole an appropriate um, response to this this act of loaning somebody else a car? You know, I. I think that it's reprehensible to loan one's car to somebody who thinks who's going to go and uh, and, and commit a burglary with it. But I think that these felony one murder charges um, often result in long sentences for people that don't need them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in I, I went to prison and that prison and that that was for murder and it was a felony one murder situation. Yeah. You know, I, I went somewhere to do a drug deal. I had no expectation that anybody was going to die. They did. And there you go. Yeah. You've got a felony one murder situation. Yeah. And what does it do for anyone? Does it make the world better? In what way? I mean, they had to house me for eight years until I was released by an order of the Florida Supreme 
Supreme Court. Yeah. But they had to house, house me for eight years, and they had to feed me for that period of time. Would I have gone and done other t- horrifying things? Would one year have sufficed instead of eight? You know, it's, it's difficult to know all these things, and I think that uh, the system is incentivized to incarcerate. They yeah, make, oh, definitely. The government makes money from taxpayers yes. by incarcerating people. They grow bigger. They grow more powerful. Government's all about mission creep and growth. Mm-hmm. And this is just one more area where they're growing. And I think that this is it does. It seems to me in this situation that, that no one. What is this? Georgia. Is that right? Uh, Florida. Florida. I think. No one in Florida is being served by keeping this person incarcerated. I agree. Uh, in a 2007 interview with the New York Times, Holly said, I honestly thought they were going to get food, adding that when they actually mentioned what was going on, I thought it was a joke. He explained that he was naive, had been drinking all night, and he didn't understand what was going on and had lent his car to Alan countless times before. So that doesn't sound to me like uh, that. I don't think that they even have a case at that point. Yeah. Now, I, I'll tell you that the chances of taking the chances of being found not guilty at a trial from arrest through completion are le- are less than one quarter of one percent to wow. be found not guilty. Well, he did get offered a plea deal, but he refused it. But because got... he was he believed innocent. himself to be innocent. Yeah, yeah. And this is these are the people that take their cases to trial. But seven, but sixty percent of people that actually make it all the way to trial and more than and nine, more than ninety nine percent of cases and don't plea out end out um, end up before trial because they're you know plea bargains and yep. things and um, you know or charges being dropped or something like that. But more than 60% of felonies are found guilty. And one has to – what I really has to wonder, I mean, are the, are the cops and the prosecutors that efficient? Are they that good at their job that they know with uh, you know more than 99% accuracy who's guilty? You would think the juries would side on a, you know, a larger basis with the defendants. These are the people that made it through. The 1% that made it through – fewer than 1%. Um, the, the gauntlet of the criminal justice system and these – uh, plea bargains and all these things and finally made it to a jury but no they find them guilty on far greater than 50 50 a 50 50 percent yeah and that's that to me it's it's scary it's, it's yes. more of a study in human behavior and juries yeah. than it is a way to find guilt or innocence and i'm you know i i, I am often stupefied by this and you know what but what yeah, are you going to do about the it the un- i'll tell you the unjust first, nature right of the so-called justice system right the, the first thing i think that one can do with the justice system is outlaw plea bargains plea bargains only do they only help two people they help guilty criminals and you know who wants to help those and government bureaucrats that are paid to do a job. If there's so much crime out there that we need more prosecutors and more judges and more of these things, then the, I suppose you need to do that. But I think that, in fact, what we need is fewer, fewer laws. Sure. Let's go real quick here to the phones. Let's talk to Sonny in Tampa, Florida. Sonny, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hi. What's on your mind tonight? Quick, quick. You got about a minute. First of all, thank you for taking my call. Um, I was listening to what you guys were talking about, and I just wanted to say that um, even though this is drug-related, not so much what you guys were talking about with murder and so forth, Mm -hmm. there is a movie out in theaters called Lawless, and I think it really shows how prohibition does not work at all. And I've never seen this movie. It's brand new. Okay. It's actually based on a true story, Mm. and it's, it's really, really good movie. Uh, and it actually talks about the alcohol prohibition and about uh, a couple brothers from uh, some county in Georgia and how country they were... gangsters. Okay. Well, yeah, you could call them that, but I got to tell you, once prohibition was over, they were more like uh, good, uh, you know, members of society. So. Sure. 
And this is the truth. This would likely be the truth with a lot of drug dealers out there. All drug dealers are currently are people trying to fill a niche in the marketplace. I mean, yeah, in some cases they have to provide protection for themselves. And that's only because society won't provide them protection. And I wouldn't mind sharing a really short personal story with you You guys. won't be doing that tonight. Yeah, Sonny, if, you, anytime if you could call back, we're out of time here. Thanks so much for the call. This has been Free Talk Live with Stephanie. And Mark. Our website is freetalklive.com. Go there. You can hear the show uh, playing over again and all kinds of cool features. We'll be back, or Ian will be back, and you, Mark, in 21 hours. Thanks for joining us tonight.